Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting. Located in the balmy metropolis of Wawa, Ontario, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. They have 18 remote outpost camps that help keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. James, fish? Um, there's the one, it's kind of brown. Um, it's got the, the shorter fins on the sides. And uh, there's the silvery one. He's got like a little bit of yellow on the belly. And his tail, it's uh, it's a couple inches longer. This is kind of like that scene from Office Space where like, the, the, they're interviewing everyone that works there to see exactly what they do. And the one, like the guy's just looking at them finally like, what exactly would you say that you do here? Because that's kind of how I feel right now. I just feel like you should have a better grasp on the well, fish. I mean, like I've, I've enjoyed a good fish stick or two. Um, big fan of what's, popcorn what's, shrimp. What's your what's your go to fish like of the seafood world? Oh. I know you're a big fish guy. Yeah, um, I like pickerel. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, Which you can catch at Airedale. By can the way. you? Yeah, pickerel. Oh, beautiful. Or walleye, depending Going on where you're from. For dinner. Mm-hmm. Can you have dinner at Walla uh, at, Air, at Airedale? It'd be can weird you sit if, down and have like a weird if they didn't have food, a, James. A fish. They don't feed you. They want you to fly. They're going to fly you in the middle of nowhere. But if you don't catch any fish, you're fucked. That's, that's not the case. I'd love that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that you would. I like cod, too. Cod's pretty good. I used to like tilapia until I found out it was horrible for you. I don't eat that anymore. It's fucking, like, like, like not, like, fatty. It's, like, just, like, chemicals and stuff. Like, you just shouldn't be eating tilapia. So I don't eat that anymore. Um... Yeah, I'm mostly a pickerel guy myself. Yeah. I like, but I do like seafood. I like a good seafood pasta, though. Like I like your your um, you know like your scallops and your uh, you know shrimps and stuff like that. Sure, good oyster. Yeah, um, Airedale is obviously closed for the season because it's January 26th or whatever when we're recording this. But um, they do open for the season again in mid-May. What would be smart to do? is to start making your plans right now for your summer vacation. It's going to sneak up on you. Soon this snow's just going to be all gone, and it's going to be like, you know, I want to do some fishing. And uh, you got to get in while the getting's good at Airedale. Sometimes they uh, they run out of availability. There's only so many camps, and, you know, you got to get there while you can. So um, visit <laughs> www.outpostcamps.com for more information. If you would like to plan your trip to Airedale this summer, it's great for bachelor parties, uh, good for even just a good weekend getaway with the boys, maybe... Uh, you know, a birthday or whatever it is. What do, were you going to say? Do the fish swim south for the winter? Are they like birds? What do you think they do? I'm trying to figure it out. Like, do they what, live what do you, in what do you frozen think, lake? What do you think when people are ice fishing? What do you think they're fishing for? I the assume, winter fish? I assume that's some sort of landlocked lake. So you... you... <laughs> Like, obviously, if fish had a route down to Mexico that wasn't the ocean, they'd probably just go straight fucking through. Not a lot of them have that option, James. That's the problem. So your landlocked lakes, like, you know, those fish would love to swim somewhere warm, but they survive during the winter. Sure. But, like, would they? If given the choice, I've never interviewed a fish. So. <laughs> like, what uh, What am I supposed to do? 
You know? I could have, like, slam... <laughs> Slamming Sammy the singing bass <laughs> on the episode next week. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Look at the fish. Isn't this great? They should get a singing fish at uh, Airedale. Hang on the wall. They might have one. I've never been. We have to go this summer, I think. Uh, not just, like... For pleasure, but also because, you know, like... We could interview the fish. Here we go. It's all going to come full circle. Uh, This summer, your official bonus episode, July 21st, uh, James and Slammin' Sammy the Singing Bass. (laughs) Here on Laced Up a Hockey Podcast. I know that this is the content that you guys come for and demand, and we are damn well going to give it to you. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. The clock. You cannot allow precious sec- seconds to go off the clock by not being close to a man. They'd love to get it into Nash's hands, and they do. They do. Ball knocked away. Stolen by Parker. Oh, there it is. Here comes George to Kobe Bryant. Bryant inside. It's good. It's good. Tie game. Seven tenths of a second remaining. Staples Center after this turnover. Remember, you do not have to force it. Right there, he's going in and great Seventh, two thousand and twenty. Yeah, we're already in January, yeah. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. It's uh, it's your favorite podcast about uh, hockey. It's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. It's your it's your favorite podcast called Laced Up. Maybe some erotica podcasts out there about. Do you think Laced Up? Like, what is it about the latest trends in lingerie? Yeah. <laughs> Chantilly lace. Uh, I'm Bruce Battaglia. I write for a website called The North Side. I would not listen to that podcast. The, what, the lingerie one? I don't, yeah, I mean, like, there'd be no real reason for me to know about the most recent trends in lingerie. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, that's not really, that's not really my area of expertise. You're not in the market, you would say. No. no, I don't even think I've stepped foot into a Licenza. Probably won't now that they're now that they're closing all those yeah. stores. See ya. Ever, uh, ever happy news. I'm uh, I'm James Cole, uh, by the way. Yeah. I, I don't write for anybody. No, still. Yeah. Well, so it's fine. You, you, you planning? You planning on it? Like, what's what's going on here? I don't know. You're just gonna take a break. Some and... someone will realize my talent and approach me. Yeah, I don't think that's how it works. I don't know if you know this, but our our former website is now offline. Like, you, like you, you go like if you type it in in your search, I'm pretty sure nothing comes up. I'm gonna do it right now, but yeah, it is. Uh, wow, no, it still shows up. If you go to contributor, like, there's nothing there though. 
If you go to contributors, nothing comes up. I don't know. Weird oh, one. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but if you look, like, if you go to Puck77.com, uh, the the new uh, letterhead is just a picture of a mountain and what looks to be a woman doing yoga. So, so you might say that Puck77 has found tranquility and peace. Yes, yeah. It is at peace. Maybe that. Maybe it's like a metaphor. Josh just put it there as like a as like a metaphor. I'm gonna go with that. I'm yeah, just gonna. Believe. It was intentional. Yeah, that'd be mint. I could see him doing that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, tough news to start off. Like wild news. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Kobe Bryant dead at 41. Um, helicopter crash outside of Los Angeles. I believe there were uh, eight people on board, including his uh, young daughter. Is, uh, is eight confirmed now? Because I've heard anywhere from five to ten. But I, I heard I heard pilot plus seven. Okay, so that's the last I heard. I, I could be more, it could be yeah less. But yeah, what's bizarre to me about the news is just like I mean, obviously we're all mortal, but for whatever reason, Kobe Bryant was one of those very, very, very few celebrities. That just felt immortal. Something about that guy just felt like he was... Like, there, there was no chance we were ever going to lose him. Yeah. I, I think almost to the point where even though we all appreciated him, I think we also took him for granted in a way. Because be it the, just kind of felt like yeah. Kobe was always going to be there. He'd be the jolly old guy at the game. And, right? And, and, and what I was so like most excited about was to see his next chapter and to see what he did, you know, after retirement. And... You know, one thing I will say, just for fans, is you know we're we're really lucky. I still have yet to watch it, but the fact that he put that documentary out last year, uh, the guy is an Academy Award-winning, you know, filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. And I, I, I'm ex- I'm you know I'm gonna get to it now. I'm gonna watch it pretty soon. But it's just kind of amazing to think about everything this guy was able to accomplish. It, it, it really is kind of mind-boggling because there are very few pro athletes or celebrities that are really able to achieve everything that he did in his life in in what was a relatively short one. Uh, you know, one thing that kind of stood out for me, it was kind of surreal, was uh, he's retired now and obviously we were all looking forward to what was next in his career and, and, and who knows what that could have been, but... As far as as the game of basketball was concerned, you he he wasn't really someone you talked about a lot. You knew who he was, and you knew that he was a, a big figure in the sport. But you know, when's the last time you and I sat down and talked about Kobe Bryant? You know, it's it's been a while. What what but, I would say about that is Kobe Bryant's almost larger than life in the sense you didn't need to talk about. Sure. He 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 did his own talking. He was in the news all the time. You heard everything he did. But There's beyond no need that, to even discuss like, him really. For him to be somewhat of a focal point last night, yeah, because yeah. of LeBron James passing him uh, for third place in the all-time point lead, it was like, hey, Kobe Bryant's kind of back in the news for a day. Like here, right. here we are. How, how does LeBron stack up to Kobe? How, you know, and and vice versa. And within twelve hours, we've we've lost this this icon that we were talking about uh, the night before. Just absolutely like out of nowhere you know just you know you're out enjoying your sunday afternoon you get that in your phone and it's what and then you you check again and again and again and it's yeah that's that's kobe bryant he's got literally like one of the longest wikipedia pages i've ever seen a human being have like i just scrolled like 
it's it's a novel. Everything that this guy was able to do is just pretty much a testament to his hard work. I think that's the one thing when you think about this guy was a guy who was who was uber competitive, but he wasn't the type of guy who was competitive and expected things to come to him. Hmm. You know, he 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 grinded away and was well known. You know, the Mamba mentality, right? That everyone talks about is that Kobe Bryant was, you know, the season ended, and Kobe Bryant, you know, would take a week off, and then a week later he's back in the gym at 5.30 in the morning, like grinding it out for hours, every morning. The season's four months away, season just ended, and he he didn't take time off, because he knew he needed to get to a certain point. He wouldn't quit till he got himself to that certain point. And, you know... I think there are a lot of things about Kobe Bryant that maybe I didn't like, maybe that I didn't relate to, and I I wouldn't necessarily call myself a, a fan, per se, but I definitely respected what Kobe Bryant stood for, and to me, that's hard work. And you can call him selfish, you can call him what you want, but, um, you know, I, I think he was as hardworking as they come, and is the type of guy that at least on the court the way he was about his sport about his craft it's something that I think a lot of young athletes need to take note of because um there aren't a lot of Kobe Bryant's in that I've seen in my lifetime Mm. he's a very very unique larger than life type name never really a big basketball you know follower I, I knew the names um you know, I'd, I'd see who wins the championship every year. I don't mind throwing on the occasional Raptors game in the background if I've, you know, if there's no hockey to watch. And but I, I remember kind of going out of my way to watch Kobe's last game. Yeah. Just knowing that it was Kobe, and and I can't remember the number, but I remember him having it was something ridiculous in his final game. He went off. I think it was sixty yeah, points. Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, just you know, looking at a guy like that that was going out for like retiring from the sport, excelling at that level. Um, you know, you, you could easily have said like, yeah, he could come back next year and be fine. And, and, uh, but he wanted to do his own thing and and he lived by his own, his own, you know, set of rules and his, his own passions and and followed what he wanted to do. And the, the thing with Kobe is he could feel himself slipping. Right. And he'd never, he stated, I don't want to be, you know, a bench warmer. I don't want to be a shell of myself. Like he wanted to go out while he was still pretty much Kobe Bryant. And he had faded for sure, but he was still a good ball player, right? And I, that was the difference is he had no interest in becoming a shell of his former self and and he went out while he could still control his own narrative. The one thing that that bugged me the most I'll say today and you know, I I I'm not really interested in having a discussion on it. It's just kind of the way I feel was you know, we are all aware of the story in 2003. Like, we're, we're all aware of, of Kobe Bryant's sexual assault allegation. It's not something that is a secret. But I, I just, I find it bizarre on a day like today where everyone feels the need to remind you about it. In the sense that it was almost like people were trying to make a case that he was a shitty person. And to me, that's not really the way that you're kind of supposed to act in these moments is that, you know, if you weren't concerned about it yesterday, then you really shouldn't be any more concerned about it today. 
it's in the past and we all know and and you know it's taken away from his legacy to an extent but it was kind of this thing where part of this part of the internet wanted to pile on today and and today is not the day because quite frankly all that happened today was a was a father passed away and and his daughter passed away with him and that's the story to me you know it's not what happened 17 years ago which is is a it's a completely different topic to me, you know, and, uh, it was kind of discouraging to see that online. I understand that, you know, people haven't forgiven him and he probably, you know, maybe shouldn't be forgiven if, if that's how you feel, but, um, it was unfortunate to see, but I, I was happy to see, um, uh, the vast majority of people just kind of remembering, you know, what he did for the game of basketball, what he did off the court in terms of philanthropy and things like that. So, yeah, a lot of uh, outpouring from the NBA, um, Raptors and Spurs, each uh, uh, clocking out uh, after 24 seconds on the shot clock to start their games respectively. Uh, obviously, Kobe wearing number 24. Um, and a couple guys come out wearing, you know, 8 and 24, different different yeah. brackets just to kind of show their support. So, um, you know what, for all the negative, I think there's been a lot of, lot of uh, positive. Mark Cuban today, too, um, announcing that the Mavericks are retiring number 24. Which is pretty cool. You know, he just said basically no one's wearing that jersey again. That number belongs to Kobe. And whether or not the league's going to do anything to retire those numbers, I, I, I doubt it. Um, but it was a nice gesture, did, I thought, for Mark did Cuban. Did he play for the Mavericks? He didn't, no. But, oh. but Mark Cuban just figured that he's, he's, he's long been a Kobe fan. And he said as far as he's concerned, the number is associated with Kobe Bryant. And it should stay that way. Hmm. Yeah. Nice, nice gesture. Yep. Mark Cuban, my favorite uh, shark on Shark Tank, I would say. So, is that the same guy? Yeah, Mark Cuban. Oh wow, that's my that's that Cube. Together. That's my guy. That's my guy. Love me some Cube. You, do you think you could sell a pitch to Mark Cuban? He's really smart. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, okay. He's a smart guy. Yeah. So, no, he's he's man. I love that show. No fun tricks up your sleeve. No ideas. No no concepts. Nothing. No, I, I mean I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank lately, though. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about maybe you know maybe I maybe I'll be a, a philanthropist, you okay. know, an entrepreneur. Yeah, maybe a maybe a brand new podcast platform. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll be on Shark Tank one day. Yeah. I'm out. I'm Brits Bataglia of <laughs> yeah Shark Tank. Yeah, my favorite thing about Cuban on uh, on on Shark Tank is he almost has a catchphrase. So he'll like. He'll be like, so here's what I see is the problem with your business, right? And then he goes on this, like, not a rant, but he'll just, like, kind of start naming things off. And then his catchphrase is, so for those reasons, I'm out. And, like, he does it all the time. Like, he almost has a list every time he's got to tell people that he's not interested. It's, like, it's not rude. Like, it's it's helpful. Like, he's you know, he's helping them. But it's just, like, hilarious that it's, like, he low-key roasts, like, every business that he doesn't invest in. Hmm. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Sounds like a great show. I'm a big Mark Cuban Mark guy, Cuban. for sure. There I like go. the guy a lot. Um, we're coming up on Oscar uh, Day. Uh, Oscar I think we're three weeks out now. Two weeks? Uh, Is it two weeks? Two, two weeks. February 9th, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Today's the January 27th, I guess, technically. So, less yeah. than two weeks away. Okay. Um, any updates? Have you, have you seen anything since we uh, talked last? What did I watch? I watched Richard Jewell the other day, oh, yeah. uh, for which Kathy Bates is up for an Academy Award. It was a good movie, to be honest with you. It it was it was good. It was good, not great. You know what it was? It was very. It, it was a Clint Eastwood movie. Hmm. Clint Eastwood is incapable of directing a bad movie, 
However, he's not necessarily an amazing director anymore. It's just kind of par for the course movies, you know? There's nothing too creative. He just kind of tells the story, and that's what it is. Um, I liked it. I thought Kathy Bates was really good. Uh, she will not win the award. Hmm. Um, or she shouldn't, anyway. Um, but I enjoyed the movie. You know, honestly, like, my biggest takeaway from it was uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who, who plays Richard Jewell. Um, who hasn't had a lot of major roles. This is his first, like, starring role in a major motion picture. He was great. Like, like honestly, I think in a year where it's, like, completely stacked for, for lead actor. You know what I mean? Where Adam Sandler puts in one of the best acting performances of the last ten years. And doesn't get, an, uh, like, a, even a nomination. Because, the like, the, the, the pack is so loaded this year. I honestly thought Paul Walter Hauser is another guy, like, on another year. My, probably gets a nomination. I thought he was the best part of the movie. Is actually the main guy who you've never heard of the actor. Um, Sam Rockwell was good. You know, he's Sam Rockwell. Hmm. He's kind of gotten himself, I think, into that. I don't know, like, you like Sam Rockwell? For the most part. I think he's entered that conversation of, like, elite actor. Like, he's really good in everything lately. Because hmm. um, even that was, like, one of the weaker performances I've seen him put in a few years. Still pretty good. It was just like there wasn't much to do with the character, you know. But, uh, I liked Richard Jewell. It's worth a watch. Um, I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it uh, seven out of ten. Brutes bucks. Brutes stars. Can I spend those anywhere? Uh, star brutes. Star brutes. Should open up a open up a coffee shop called Star Star Brutes. Maybe that's um, your pitch to, to Shark Tank. Ooh, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Um, yeah. No, I liked it. It was good. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched Bombshell. Hmm. Which I think last week you said that you had watched. Yeah. Um, now, I, I do have to say something. Is Remember last week I asked you, like, did it have a comedic spin? And you're like, no, no, not at all. And you, you were right. Like, I watched it. There's nothing really funny about it. But every single person in the movie, every single one, every single fucking actor in the movie has been in a comedy movie oh, before. Yeah, like, sure. that was the yeah. wild thing. I'm looking at I'm like... Rob Delaney's in this fucking movie? Yeah. Like, Rob Delaney from Twitter, Rob Delaney? Yeah, like, that same like, one. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, even, like, Charlie Harper from Two and a Half Men's mom is in the, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, like fucking, uh, what's her name? Janet from The Good Place is in it. Like, every... Kate McKinnon's in this movie. This is a hilarious cast. John Lithgow, who was in one of the, like, best sitcoms of the 90s, is in this fucking sh- movie. Like, it's just a hilarious group, right? The only one who's maybe never been in, like, a comedic thing in her life is Nicole Kidman. Right. That would be it. Yeah. Then like, that's it. Yeah. That's so, actually a funny point. So like that's why... Yeah, yeah and yeah. you know, like, I've made this point before. I genuinely believe that comedic actors, this is why they usually branch well into serious movies, is because I think it's harder to be a comedic actor than any type of actor. It's really hard to sell comedy in a movie, you know? Well, I, 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 I don't know if can... it's... So, what I'm saying is, is if you can kind of sell the comedy, most of these people can also sell emotion, right? And, and I think, I think, I, I just, I think that's why they translate well. Like, Steve Carell's a guy who, as far as I know, has no formal training in acting. And he is, for better or for worse, one of the best actors on the planet. And has been for a while, but for the longest time, he was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, he's in The Office, these roles where he's just a goof. But he's so funny in those movies because he's able to sell it, you know? Yeah. I, I think if you can act, you can act. Yeah. But 
Just because you can act doesn't mean you can deliver a joke. That's what so, I mean. Yeah. So, so that, like, that's why I'm saying I think comedic <clears throat> actors translate better into serious roles than serious actors translate into comedy roles. Because not every serious actor's funny. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know that I would find Ben Kingsley funny in something. I, I've never really tried. I don't think. Has he tried? Is he in The Love Guru? I don't think so. I feel like he might be in he, that for a few minutes. You know what he was in that he was kind of funny? We should watch the Love Guru as a as oh, a <laughs> as a movie commentary. Oh God! Um, is any part of that movie funny? Love Guru? Yeah. Like, is there any good jokes in it? There's probably a few, I, right? Isn't it Justin Timberlake the goalie for the Kings? Yeah, he's pretty. funny. That's kind of movie. funny. But yeah. Justin Tim Justin Timberlake's another guy. Yeah. You remember that rumor that Justin Timberlake was going to be on SNL? Like, as a cast member, he was mm-hmm. going to, like, retire from being, you know, like, the biggest pop star on the planet. After and, being in the biggest pop band in the planet. Yeah, and being, like, in, like, fucking serious movies and stuff. And he was literally going to, like, live in New York and be on TV... Once a week. ...at, at midnight on a Saturday when no one's home. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been so down. I'm not sure we... Like, it might still happen. I don't know. Like, I'm holding out hope. Yeah. Is it like like have you been watching a lot of SNL? Like, is it still on part of this year I or what? Uh, this year's been really the good. Guy, the guys suck. Like a lot of the guys suck, man. The women are all so funny on that show. They are. Like so, I think I said this before on, on this show. Like Cecily Strong, Kate McKinnon, mm. uh, Ad Bryant. Yeah. Um, is Vanessa Bayer still on there? Yeah. She's awesome. Like I love Vanessa Bayer. Mm-hmm. They've been getting Colin Jost in more skits. That's good. Which is good. Colin Jost is really funny. Um, I didn't know. That Jost isn't the head writer. I always thought he was, but it's apparently it's Michael Che. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I always thought Jost was the head writer. Yeah, I thought but, it was the other way around, yeah. for sure, but yeah. either way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good from what I've seen so far this season. I haven't seen them all, but I've seen it. I've gone to watch it twice in the last month, and both times it's been a rerun. Oh yeah, yeah, and none of none of which has been the Eddie Murphy. I was gonna say you still got to catch none of which has been like a Chance the Rapper. So I was reading like Chance the Rapper got ripped apart online for not being that good. I thought he was so funny that episode. Mm. Like he was killing me. The skit with the um, where it's like like a fake commercial for like Pop Tarts or something like that, and it was like they're like where are your parents? And like they keep like leading to this thing that like Chance the Rapper killed his parents, and it just turns into a normal commercial again. Great bit. Yeah. Really good bit. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I could do with a lot more Saturday Night Live with Justin Timberlake taking over one of those guys. Sure. For sure. I think it'd be so. really cool to see like an elite actor join that cast. And I wonder if it's something that like Lorne Michaels would welcome or not. Hard to like say, I don't know yeah. if maybe it's something like, I, like I, you got to think at some point in the last 45 fucking years. Yeah. Some actor's been like, hey, can I like. I wonder like, if even, it's like, got someone come to back. do with like the cast. You know what I mean? Like, hey. We're all trying to make our name. We don't want so and so to come in and be has, that has guy. anyone has anyone left and come back? I don't think I don't that's think ever so. happened, eh? Like even that's kind of bizarre yeah. that like you know, not that she should have, but just the first name that popped to mind like five years later Jane Curtin wasn't like, you sure. know, I'm gonna come back. Because that would have been fucking mint. She's hilarious, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think it's ever gonna happen, but Yeah. Because, you know what I mean, like, I, I could, like, I remember, like, Eddie Murphy was a big issue back in the 80s, and it was like, oh, he's the host, but he's on the cast, and it's, you know, the rest of the cast hated it, and yeah. caused some ripples there, so, I don't know. I I think maybe it's best that it is these up-and-comers, but... Yeah, I think that's the role of it, right? Yeah. But, uh, bombshell. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, John Lithgow was really good uh, as as one of the worst people on earth. Um, I think that so far, I I like so Charlize Theron's up for best lead actress, and I have seen Marriage Story and Little Women and Bombshell. I haven't seen Harriet or Judy yet, so I can't weigh in on Cin- on Cynthia Erivo or. Renee Zellweger yet I would say for sure my my vote is for Charlize Theron so far hmm. that was one of the best acting performances I think I've ever seen from an actress Charlize Theron is unbelievable man like just like in general I mean like she is great in everything she does she is another one like serious actress that is funny like she can do comedy movies and stuff like that she's great man to the point in Bombshell, where for about 45 seconds in Charlize Theron's first scene, I actually didn't realize it was Charlize Theron. I thought it was actually Megyn Kelly. <laughs> like, like I couldn't fucking believe that was Charlize Theron. Because she kind of, she looks, she they, looks kind of like job, her. Yeah, the makeup, sure. they made her look, like, spot on. Her, like, the way she is with her voice and everything. Like, it's one of the best, like, impressions I've ever seen. It was incredible. Uh, so she has my vote. Uh, Margot Robbie was really good. She does not have my vote, but she was great. Um, and I think in another year again, like going back to the stacked like categories, like it's a really good year for movies. Uh, in a lot of years, I think John Lithgow is a best supporting actor nomination, but he doesn't even come close this year because the because the crop is ridiculous. Yeah. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed Bombshell. It, it's it's definitely. Um, it's definitely a movie where I thought the acting carried it. I thought it was a very poorly um, uh, directed movie, and I didn't really care for the script. But I thought that the actresses did a good job telling the story of the people that they were trying to represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I watched the two po- the two popes. Okay. Painfully boring movie. I'm Painful. Trying not to watch it if I don't wow. have to. It's it's getting tough. Wow. But... Like it, I I got to tell you. As good as Jonathan Price was, if Anthony Hopkins weren't in that, I don't think I would have made it through the whole thing. I like because I've told you, like you you're aware like I'm a huge Anthony Hopkins fan. I absolutely love him. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. <sighs> yeah, not not good. Not good. Not good. Neither of them have my vote for either acting award, but uh, they were both very good. Uh, and I think that's it. I think that's all I watched. Right on. Yeah, how are you? Uh, I watched nothing. Okay. I had a, uh, oddly enough, despite being in town the entire time, I had a pretty busy week, so I didn't really get around to uh, any movie time. Sure, man. Uh, it's okay. So we're all allowed to have lives. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hectic couple days here as I, I cram for the uh, Oscar bonus episode. Oh yeah, January thirty first. Uh, we have not decided when we're recording it, but it'll be out on Friday. Yeah. So there we go. Hell or high water. We've yeah. already committed. So yeah, one way or another. Yeah. So there we go. Maybe it'll be live. A live I, episode. Yeah. See, see at the where would we record? The West Thunder Community Center. Come on out to the Caribou uh, Ooh, Restaurant and Bar at seven thirty in the morning on Friday. Yeah. Because uh, we gotta be we gotta be out of there by like <laughs> ten ten thirty. Don't mind the preppers in yeah. the background. Yeah. <laughs> Nirvana blasting in the background. <laughs> Here comes the rooster. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. This this weekend was uh, 
NHL All-Star Weekend, <laughs> and we both forgot. Um, oh, yeah, like entirely. Didn't yeah. know the skills competition was Friday until uh, I was at work on Friday, and people were like, hey, you watching the skills competition tonight? And I'm like, you're an idiot. That's on Saturday every year, you jackass. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up the next me. day and saw a bunch of highlights of the uh, skills comp. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you watch it? Nope. I was working. I was not working. Yeah, I was working. Uh, what, what, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Did anything happen during the skills comp, really? Uh, well, they, they had the, um... So I saw this, like, this, this new thing they did this year where, like... The shooting star event. They're shooting from the stands? Yeah, the shooting star event. Fuck was the deal with that? That I don't know, but it it seemed like it was a disaster. Oh, that's a horrible concept for an event. Well, the, the the scoring didn't really make sense. It was like like at one point Mitch Marner hit like a, a ten score on one of the targets. Didn't get any points. There was guys like totally missing targets, getting points. Like no one knew how this thing worked. It was it was totally bizarre. They put a weird net over top of all the fans. No one get hit. But then like you're just underneath a, a net now as a, like a fan. Like I don't know. That's really not giving uh, NHL All-Stars any credit either, that they couldn't shoot a fucking orange ball over, like, 10,000 people. Yeah. Sure they can. Uh, I the, could. Uh, the women had a, a three-on-three game. How did it go? I didn't hear anything about it. It was a 2-1 win for Canada. Cool. Uh, Rebecca Johnson. Was it, was it good? I don't know. Again, I didn't watch it. I didn't so... hear, I didn't see anything about it online. Yeah. It was two, what a good, what a good hockey podcast this is yeah. when we start talking about hockey. Did you watch the All-Star game? No. no. Did you hear anything about it? No. All right, so everyone at home knows more about hockey so far into this episode than we do. Uh, which uh, is, that's a rare that's a rare thing in a hockey podcast. There aren't a lot of hockey podcasts where you can feel smarter than the people you're listening to. But right now, uh, episode 65, this is your time to shine, I guess. I'll, I'll say this much. Like, I, I didn't, like... I didn't realize the women's game was not going to be the same day as, like, the men's games. Yeah. Which I thought was a bit of a piss-off. Yeah, I don't really care for that. Because the whole idea with the skills competition is that it's a gimmick. Yeah. And so what you're saying is is that this three-on-three game is a gimmick. Like, so is the men's (laughs) three-on-three all-star game. But how is the women's any different from the men's? Sure. Group it in, put it the same. And, like... It's, like, we all know it's going to be better. my, My issue with it is, like... Okay, so we all know that there's been a problem. There's a reason we didn't watch the All-Star game. It's because it's bad. No one wants to watch oh. the All-Star game oh. unless you're in the building. Is it ever bad? So why not take an elite, like, you know, international Canada-US women's game, put it on display, have them totally wipe the floor, like, compared to what the men were going to go out there and do. Yeah. Get people actually watching good hockey. And then, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe the men will come back out for, like, say say you put the women's game between, like, the semis and the finals for this little tournament they do. Maybe the men's finals, they come back out and they're like, oh, shit, now we got to, like, you know, actually play hockey. Because, you know, no one's going to give a shit about us if we go back out there and just... Part of me thinks that the NHL was maybe even legitimately concerned that the women were just going to overshadow the men. On the, on they the, should. during the game, like they should. Yeah, like no, I get, be, no, I get real. you. I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I no, I am of the mind. <sighs> I am of the mind that I think that every reason the NHL still does this All Star game outweighs the need to even do it. I don't think they gain that many more fans from doing this. And and, and honestly, like I, I, but I don't look at the numbers. 
Like, I might be very sure. wrong. I just, I find it hard to believe that this is even worth doing anymore. The only thing that I heard this weekend that was of any fucking use to me, really, was that uh, a lot of people who have daughters showed them the screen while the women were on, and they absolutely lit up and loved it. Like, everyone said that, you know, my my eight-year-old daughter thought that this was the coolest thing she's ever seen, and so they gained something out of that. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a good move that they brought the women in. Had they not done that, what really was the fucking use of this weekend? Because everyone you invited didn't want to go because it was in St. Louis. So it's not an all-star game because you're watching this game and it's like, well, where's Malkin? Where's Ovechkin? Where's Crosby? Where's Flurry? And like, it's like, you know, who gives a shit? About Chris Kreider, quite honestly. Like, Chris, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, not to go too off topic here, but, like, we're talking about Chris Kreider, who was at the All-Star game, who's, like, in trade rumors to get traded to the Leafs, and to be honest with you, would probably play on their fourth line. So, like, really, like, what are we fucking talking about here? You know what I mean? Like, what what All-Star? Give me a fucking break. Like, you know? Yeah. I like the idea that they, both the Kachucks were there. That was cool. And, in, in the and, city that their dad played in. And, 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 yeah, and a yeah. lot of people were... You know, well, Brady's only going because because it's the St. Louis and it's the Kachucks. And, well, Brady probably should have been the one going for the Senators in the first place because he's been the best player on the team this year. But, okay. You know, like, it's just this whole weekend has just been, it's just been more stress than it's even worth. And I don't have anything to do with even putting the event on. It's yeah. just this nonstop fucking argument, bickering, moaning. Like, no one seems like they even want to go. Uh, like, families struggle to get their kids to the game because you can only get so many people in it's so expensive in the first place you go all the way to st louis and find out like two days beforehand that fucking you know you're a rangers fan and artemi panarin's not even coming and oh like who's going well chris Kreider, you know the guy who's not even gonna be on the team in two weeks like you know what i mean it's just like there's so many issues that come up with this fucking all-star game i've had it with it like i'm done i'm done talking about this fucking thing every year i have no desire to watch it if i'm somewhere and it's on i'll 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 look at the screen but it's it's no different to me like i would rather watch a regular season basketball game Hmm. and i don't watch the nba anymore i'm I'm torn because i as like a a history buff i i do appreciate the origin of it sure i like They've why? had a lot of great all-star games. Not like, even that. Just like, like, like why we have an all-star think, game. Think about right? like 2003 and Danny Heatley and all the guys on the all-star team. Like I was fired up for that game for two, three days. So maybe, I don't know, maybe 11-year-olds do actually like this game. I have no idea. Hmm. But Yeah. they got to find a way of getting it, you know, back to a level where, you know, the players actually want to be there. And uh, I don't have the answer. Like they used to, you know, give away a million bucks to the winning team, and and then well, you know, and, and, I mean, and then they try this, and they try this format. And I like the idea of the NHL basically being like, "Okay, sorry, you know, twenty-two of the thirty-two teams, but you're not getting an All-Star game. You're not getting one because I'm sorry, Winnipeg, Manitoba, but our Tammy Panarin doesn't want to come to your fucking city for a weekend." I'm legitimately okay with admitting that, you know, fuck this city, we're not going, and let's just have these all-star games in, you know, Las Vegas, New York City, Dallas, these cities where players are legitimately going to want to go and have some fun, Toronto, honestly, might might actually be on the list. Even in cities where maybe we don't have an NHL team, like, 
put an all-star game in Miami if they have a rink to support it. You know, like, like maybe Houston's a city. Like, somewhere where it seems like the players might want and might not want to go. And it's okay to admit that St. Louis, Missouri, relative to New York City, sucks. They know that. Yeah. They're well aware that they're not New York City. No one comes and travels from around the world just to only go to St. Louis and then they fly back to Japan. No. <laughs> Nobody does that. They're not insane. So I'm fine with the NHL just admitting it because guess what? You have the draft. Like You can have other events in, in your Winnipegs, in your Ottawas, and you don't ever have to have the draft in New York City because who in New York City gives a shit about the draft? Like, it'll all balance out, is what I'm saying. The All-Star Game's supposed the, to be this marquee event. So make it a fucking marquee event, right? The owners care. Because the owner can sell tickets to the draft. And I get it. And this building's full. I get it. So that's who cares. And that's, but, that's but, the people but that make the decisions, right? So. If the NHL's just like, alright, well, next year it's going to be in New York City. And they're like, okay, fair. Okay, next year it's in Vegas. And they just keep, like, they, just, they don't even have to tell them that they're doing it. They just pick, like, Los Angeles the next year. And it's yeah. like... Hey, I thought we were getting the All-Star Games. Shut up, Winnipeg. Like, you know, no one cares. Yeah. No, and and it's... That would help. I think it's one of those things where you're right. Like, you could... you, Well, and it's tough because, like, we just saw an outdoor game in Dallas. You know, you can't even say that the the northern cities are going to get the outdoor games and the southern cities can have the fancy events. But, you know, now we've got the technology to put ice in... Nashville and Florida. Yeah, like, as far as the non-TV part of the Winter Classic went, uh, supposedly it was unbelievable in Dallas. Like, apparently there was, like, one of the best Winter Classics they've ever had in terms of, you know, buzz around the city and things like that. But that's because Dallas is is a attractive city. You know what I mean? Like, Dallas is a tourist destination Mm -hmm. for whatever reason i don't know that they have anything specifically interesting there i've just heard dallas is like a cool city now the 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 blues i think they kind of knew that they were at a disadvantage being in st louis um so they did kind of how dare you kind of pull out people come a long way for that toasted ravioli they did pull out a few cool like little tricks and, and shit like that to kind of spice thing they had that uh layla the uh, the young girl yeah, with cancer yeah, she came yeah. out smart that smart was, call that was fantastic john ham behind the bench they i had, saw that that had, was the only thing i saw they had four uh celebrity so, uh so you had jenna fisher had, john ham who else uh wayne gretzky former, oh, former blue former blue that's fucked and uh noted town drunk brett hull oh that's pretty cool that's actually sick. You know what I, I was talking about? I like they, I was actually at a bar uh, for a little bit during the All-Star game, and I, it was on TV. And I was talking about it with uh, with my buddy. Doesn't Brett Hall just remind you of your one buddy's dad who was just, like, super fucking cool? You come in the house, and he's just like, boys, you having beers? And he's, like, chirping you and shit. Like, just, like, almost like that, that dad that maybe, like, didn't quite grow up 100%, you know? But, like, you love him anyway. He's fun. He's always good when the boys are there. That's what Brett Hall reminds me of. Yeah. I'd like to go to the Hall house. Preferably not when his dad is around. But, like, I'd like to, you know what I mean? I feel like I'd get along with Brett for a few hours. They had uh, Charles Glenn come back and sing the anthem. No way! Yeah. That's cool. So uh, I heard he did. Uh, I heard he did an AHL game the other night too. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Good, for him. Good for him. Did and, he retire? And, he retired because of health reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know the exact nature yeah, yeah. of it, but um, and of course, uh, everyone's favorite part of the weekend, Green Day performed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I already forgot about that. Um, 
So fucking love Green Day. <laughs> like Green Day is honestly the fucking mintest band ever that like a lot of people don't even like. You know? Hey. They're mint. September twenty sixth at the NHL. Okay, so we're gonna like have you sign on for a couple years and perform a different thing. Oh, for sure, guys. And remember, no swearing. You got it NHL, you know, a month before the All-Star game. Hey Green Day, just remember, no swearing. You've got it NHL five minutes before performing. You're not gonna swear tonight, right guys? We won't NHL. <laughs> Part of me thinks that Green Day has been doing the big, like the best long yeah. con of oh, all yeah. time, where it's just like constantly they're like every every few years you're just like fuck Green Day's completely sold out, haven't they? And it's like ah well you just wait like this is all part of a big scheme, and then they just do something like you know what I mean? Like they, their music started getting a little softer and like a, starting to suck, and everyone's like ah oh, man they're just doing this for the masses and stuff like that, and it's like hey by the way Green Day played like a uh, protest naked the other day to protest censorship and it's like what green day's still cool <laughs> they, they were oh, protesting protests what? yeah yeah um, green day's mint i i love those guys i i do i do find it pretty hilarious that the nhl decided to bring on a band that had an album coming out titled uh, father of all motherfuckers and expected them not to do something ridiculous yeah and then um, they played father of all yeah and uh <laughs> that has got to be the most nhl move ever so. yeah the fact that there's like Probably, like, 80 people, like, trying to plan this all-star game. And then, like, I'm sure they meet in, like, a boardroom where there's, like, 20 of them. And then there's, like, screens of Skype with the other 20 all split up in other boardrooms. And they're talking. And none, none of those 80 old white guys had listened to any of Green Day's songs in the last, like, 25 years. Yeah. What did you What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. What did, like, uh, to not even know, not not even to not know what the lyrics to their song. Are you telling me you've never heard a punk rock song? Do you not know what punk rock is? You ever heard it like, you didn't listen to the Ramones when you were young, Colin Campbell? Probably not, but... Apparently not. Um, I should quickly uh, add before we move on... Um... I, got a, I, got a, I got a quick quick trivia for you if we're still on Green Day. Oh, sure. Yeah, Green Day. Can you name the other two members of the band other than Billy Joe Armstrong? Do you yeah. remember their names? Mike Dernst and uh, Trey Cole. Pretty, yeah, Mike Dernst. There's no Mike... S. Oh, I thought there was an S on there. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they had a fourth member for like three albums. Uh, uh, Jason, Jason White, White tours with them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I just didn't know. Do you still listen to a lot of Green Day? I try to. Yeah, yeah. Like the new stuff too, or I, I haven't listened to Father of All. Like I haven't, I haven't, I haven't li- heard that album. I haven't even heard the song. I'm, I've, I gotta I've heard, clarify. I've heard two songs off of it, but not okay. the whole album. Um, yeah, I didn't like the last album, Revolution um, Radio. Yeah, and, and Uno Dos Trey were like all kind of misses, but 21st Century Breakdown I thought was like an underrated album. All timer. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. It didn't get an, enough love. I thought from if, start to finish it was great. If it I was love a year every song later, on the album. It would have been on my top 10 albums of the decade list. Yeah, that's yeah. honestly fair. I, I thought from beginning to end every song on that fucking album rocks. Yeah. Yeah, big fan. Um, yeah, should, should add quickly that uh, uh, the Metro. The Metropolitan Division Metropop. uh features the first place team in the NHL. The Atlantic features the second place team in the NHL. The Central Division f- has the uh, third place team in the NHL, uh, and the Pacific Division, of course, as a result, won the All Star Game. Yeah, and you know what? It, you, you know what's meant about that too is a team filled with the players that hate each other the most. Oh my God. Like for some reason, that is by far, by far, the fucking most like division filled with the most animosity. And did you see um, 
Dreisaitl score the goal that Kachuk set him up for, yeah. and he just turns over and yells "fuck you" at him. And like they, they were laughing when they got back to the bench, but it, like it was like kind of a bit. Yeah, but it well, was, <laughs> so, so comments like, after the. Flames. I don't think so. No, okay. So after the Flames Oilers game, there with Cassian and Kachuk. Oh um, no no no! Yeah, I saw that leading asked, into it. Did they say anything after the game though? No, I didn't see anything. After oh no, I was so, just I was yeah. wondering. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, Pacific Division winners, uh, despite having their coach replaced, isn't that the theme of this year? Having your coach replaced, and and this team still manages to it's pull a it. Bad off. move, real bad move, um, real real not good. Speaking, I like. I'm almost. I'm annoyed. To, like I know this was last week. I'm so annoyed that this firing happened because now I kind of feel obligated to cheer against Vegas so that way it proves the fact that I think that that's a stupid fucking move they made. That's fair. But I love Vegas. I love every player on the team. I think the team's super cool. I have, like, you know what I mean? I have no, like, I even like Kelly McCrimmon. I even like Peter DeBoer. But I just think the principle of firing Gerard Gallant is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. Fuck that. If you're a Vegas fan, go to hell. Wow. Yep. Okay. Unless you're also pissed, then you're you're then watch, you know hockey. Watching our viewership in the Pacific region drop from zero to uh, zero. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I hopefully our listens on Earth stay at a hundred percent. That's the main thing. Yeah. Do you think there's <laughs> podcasts out there that have other like that 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 would that freak me was, the fuck out? I gotta be honest with you, James. Looking at that on Anchor the other day, and I saw that. I, I got shit like I got the shivers. Like what tool? Like chills like, down my spine. I'm like, are you telling me <laughs> that sometimes people listen to podcasts on Mercury? Even if that's a joke, it's that's too far. Like that's, too, that's like you. That's you're taking this that's, that's way too far. Up, no, that's just like come on. I'm just trying to have a podcast here. I'm just trying to you know relax. Telling me that they're listening to podcasts on... I didn't check to see if Pluto was mentioned there, though. If Anchor considers Pluto a planet or not. Because Anchor seems to have all this technology to gauge if they're listening to podcasts in outer space. So, Anchor, uh, the new NASA. <laughs> home, home of all your interplanetary podcasts. Yes. Anchor. This episode of Laced Up Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Uh, leading the space race. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, well. wonder if Anchor owns Sputnik. Sputnik. Yeah. Um, I doubt it. No. But, yeah. Anything else about the All-Star game that you wanted to mention? Uh, no. No? No, I want to mention that it's over and I'd like to move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. Um, there it is. Member of the All Star Game, Leon Dreisaitl was there. He had a couple goals, um, representing the Edmonton Oilers. Um, which leads me to uh, a quiz for you. Wonderful. Um, in in uh, in honor of 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 Mr. Leon and uh, of the Grammys being last night. Um, what the, where the hell is this going? This is. Can you name to me all ten <laughs> NHL All Stars who have won a Grammy? Uh, this is the uh, the Kings of Leon quiz. The Kings of Leon quiz. Okay, okay. so okay, so I'm gonna ask you. Uh, I got 12 questions. Three about a member of the Los Angeles Kings. Three about Leon Dreisaitl, and three about the band Kings of Leon. Now we're gonna see how you do. Isn't there 12 questions? You said 12 questions. That's huh? nine. Maybe it's four of each. I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> 
It was it was put together in haste. Um, okay, so let's get any questions. Uh, I thought you were asking the questions. <laughs> Do you have any questions about the questions? I I don't know. Okay. Just start asking, and I'll see if I'm not understanding. Right, question number one: uh, Who is the all-time games played leader for the Los Angeles Kings? Uh, is it A. Luke Robitaille, B. Dustin Brown, C. Dave Taylor, or D. Andre Kopitar? I'm gonna go with uh, B. Dustin Brown. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, you got that one. One yeah. for one. Uh, and also one for one on the Los Angeles Kings portion of the quiz. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know who you're fucking with here, but I watched more Kings games than Leafs games in the early uh, 2010s. So All a lot right. of trivia. They do a lot of like, here's your random trivia of the game here, and it's like, what? It's always hilarious facts. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, number two, what song by Kings of Leon won Record of the Year? Oh, they're they're jumbled. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was getting four Kings oh, questions. Oh no, in a row. no, no, no! Fuck, I don't like this. One record of the year at the Grammys: uh, "Sex on Fire," "Radioactive," "Use Somebody," or "Beautiful War." I'm gonna go uh, uh, "Radioactive." That's uh, incorrect. Uh, the uh, song "Use Somebody" was uh, uh, one for rock album, a uh, rock song, and. Song of the Year at the uh, 2010 Grammys. That's arguably their worst single. Well, the Grammys liked it. I don't like the Grammys. Uh, Number three. What German city was Leon Dreisaitl born in? Fucking. Cologne, Berlin, Munich, or Bonn? Cologne. Cologne is correct. Yeah. Uh, You're two for one. Uh, Again. (laughs) Two for three. (laughs) Two for one? No, no, I'll take two for one. That's good. Um, that's that's uh, 200%, so... There you go. Uh, number four. <laughs> 200%. Aki Berg? <laughs> is this an Aki Berg draft question? Who currently leads the Los Angeles Kings in scoring? Uh, is it a- Currently? Yeah. This is the last place LA like, Kings, may I add? This season? Yes. Oh, God. Is it A, Tyler Toffoli? I hope not. B, Jeff Carter? Oh, God. C, Anze Kopitar? Oh. Or D, Drew Doughty? It can't be D. That'd be fucked. Um, wow. Fuck, I think it might be Toffoli. I'm, I'm going, I'm going A. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is second on the team in scoring. Yeah, that's, with, that's uh, good. 26 points. Good grief. To Anze Kopitar's 47. Really? Yeah. Okay. Anze Kopitar. I think I thought Toffoli had more, and that Kopitar was like around like high 30s, and I uh. thought Toffoli had like 40. I don't know why I thought Toffoli... You know why I thought Toffoli was having a good year? It's because people won't shut up about their teams trading for Tyler Toffoli on uh, Twitter, like as if Tyler Toffoli is like a, a point-per-game player, and uh, I thought maybe he was, but he is not. Uh, definitely not. Uh, you were two for two. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I'm two for four is what I am. You're two and two. I like that you're giving me a lot of credit, but like I have to just, I have to be honest because there's like other people listening to this right now. Yeah, I, I definitely meant two and two. So okay. the march, the ants go marching two by two. Um, exactly. The King, uh, Kings of Leon's debut album, Youth and Young Manhood, oh, fuck. was released in what year? Uh, 2002, 2003. 2004 or 2005? 2002. Uh, that's incorrect. 
Uh, the album uh, was released in 2003. Yeah, I knew it was one of the two. Yeah, there you go. Um, you are no longer two for two. Uh, I never was. I think you actually you had the first two right, didn't you? No, you didn't. I don't, never mind. I don't know. You're yeah. the quiz master. Uh, well, master. Might if you be want to ask me, I'm five, I'm five for five as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I think your answers are bullshit. But. All right. In 2015, this is a true or false. All right. Ugh. In 2015. Leon Dreisaitl won the MVP trophy for the uh, Memorial Cup. Did, in, in what year? 2015. Okay. Did his Kelowna Rockets win the Memorial Cup that year? Well, a question can't be true or false. It needs to be a statement. <laughs> true or false? So the Kelowna may, Rockets won the Memorial so Cup in 2015. May? I don't know. Um, uh, I, I, I think true. Uh, it's false. Okay. They lost to the Oshawa Generals in 2015. That's but, good. Uh, Settle took home MVP honors. Yeah, I don't consider myself to be a, a, a Dreisaitl expert other than, like, uh, his position, um, this country he's from, and apparently the city he's from. There you so, go. And which hand he shoots. Uh, you were two for four. Uh, you, got t- you got time to make it up. Got... Am I two for four? Aren't I, like, two, two, two for and, six or two something? Two and four. Okay, <laughs> What the fuck is going on with this quiz? <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Over the span of his three different tenures with the club, how many total seasons did Luke Robitaille captain the Los Angeles Kings? Jesus. One, three, six, or nine? Six. Only one season did That's... Luke Robitaille captain the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, I guess it was Rob Blake for a long time. Yeah, all the way back in 1992-93, he was co-captain with uh, Wayne Gretzky. His only season as captain. All right, number uh, number eight. This is it. you got to run the table now to, to get back to, sure. to par. Um, where did the name Leon in Kings of Leon originate from? Was it the street name where the three brothers grew up? Was it the name of the family dog? Was it their father's name? So, yeah. Or was on. it the older brother who had passed away? I believe it's their father's name. Is their father's I, I thought name. it was their grandfather's name. But uh, it, is, it may be both, but it yeah. is definitely their father's name. Um, so, you know what's funny is I almost did the classic family feud answer, though. Where, like, during the second one, you're like, the name of the family. And I was going to buzz in and be like, yep, B. Because <laughs> I was just assuming the next word was grandfather, not dog. Um <laughs> So I almost I almost blew it. Yes. Like the girl from Family Feud Canada there with the chicken answer. You remember that? Chicken! Chicken, yeah. From, Spinach. From Winnipeg, Manitoba. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just putting Winnipeg on blast today. Apparently, yeah. Going there next month, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, the kings of uh, Leon. Leon is the father. Um, that's where the name comes from. Okay. There you go. You're, you're still alive. You're still alive. I'm three for 32 now. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. You're three for eight. Okay. All right, now true or false for you. Okay. True or false, Leon's father, Peter Dreisaitl, scored the winning goal against Canada in a shootout in the 1992 World Championships. Can you repeat the question? Leon's father, Peter, scored the winning goal in a shootout against Canada at the 1992 World Championships. It's just, it's too specific of a thing to make up, but you would be the person to make up such bullshit. Um, 
I, I'm going to say it's true, but I won't be surprised if it's false. All right. I've never heard of Peter Dreisaitl, so. Um, it is false. He was stopped in the For shootout. For fuck's sakes. Uh, he did shoot, but he was stopped. I, I think I think it was John Slaney in that with the save. I could be wrong. The, the defenseman? Uh, maybe I got the wrong Slaney then. <laughs> John Slaney is the guy that scored like one of the greatest world oh, junior goals right. in yeah, the history. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, yeah, a yeah. former Philadelphia Flyer defenseman. So you're asking me all these questions and I look stupid, but I know who John Slaney is at least. I know I know for, Peter Dreisaitl, for, but I don't know John yeah, Slaney. For yeah. the people listening at home, I know a lot about John Slaney, but apparently nothing about Leon Dreisaitl. There you go. All right, uh, we're playing with house money at this point. Uh, you can't finish with a, a dead heap. Good for you. Uh, number ten, uh, from 1995-96 until his trade in 2000-2001, and again upon his return in 07-08, Rob Blake was the captain of the Los Angeles Kings. Until you said 07-08, I thought this was going to be a Tim the Toolman Taylor question or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, from from 95 to 01, and then again in 07. Okay. Uh, Blake, captain of the Kings. Who was the captain uh, while he was away from the team those those six seasons? Was it uh, Jason Allison, Glenn Murray, Lubomir Vishnovsky, or Matthias Nordstrom? Oh, it was Matthias Nordstrom. It was Matthias Nordstrom. Yeah. That I was, was going to say Aaron Miller, um, but yeah, I know. I knew it was Nordstrom. There you go. Matthias Nordstrom. Uh, number 11, true or false? Okay, true or false. The three Fallowill brothers from Kings of Leon illegally kidnapped their cousin, kept him locked in a basement for three months, and did not allow him to surface until he had learned how to play bass. I'm going to say false. It's absolutely true. Um, it just seems like a story <laughs> that they would just tell you, but it didn't happen. You know, I don't know. Yeah, they, they told their aunt they were picking up their cousin. Um, in Mississippi. They, oh, you boys. Yeah, they lived in Tennessee. They, they drove to Mississippi, picked him up, brought him back. They said, we have a contract on the table, but we need a bass player. So uh, get down there, take all the drugs and booze and food you want, and stay down there until you can play the bass guitar. And the mother did not know where her son was for a few months. So I guess i got to use a fun. Kings of Leon song as the intro now. Oh, well, you don't making me Making me edit a new intro. Uh, finally, last question, number 12. Leon Dreisaitl was drafted third overall in 2014. Who was the next player drafted after Leon? Was it Michael DeCole of the New York Islanders? Was it Sam Reinhart of the Buffalo Sabres? Was it Sam Bennett? Of the Calgary Flames, or was it Hayden Fleury of the Carolina Hurricanes? Ooh, I'm gonna go Sam Bennett. That's correct, Sam Bennett, yeah. fourth overall to the Calgary Flames yeah. in 2014. Uh, Brutes, uh, you went five for twelve on the quiz. Yeah. Fucking um, Peter Dryside, or possibly five and twelve, or maybe six for two. I, I don't really know where you finished, but you, you yeah. tried. You did your best. You know the old saying. Uh, Five a dozen in one, half a five in the other. Three kings in a what? row give you a duck in a bow. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a quiz for you. We haven't had a quiz for you in a while, so I thought we'd, we'd get you back on the quiz train. Sure, so. fair enough. Um, all right, um, with that, uh, we have uh, a, a, tough, a tough story here. Um, 
I know last week we spent a lot of time talking about some heavy uh, heavy subjects. wasn't really a, an upbeat podcast. We start off today with the Kobe Bryant news, obviously not good, um, and now uh, an assault ch- uh, charge uh, that we got to discuss here. <laughs> not great for the NHL here. Uh, we might be losing gritty folks. Um, just over a year and a half into his tenure as mascot, oh, gritty might be going to jail. Yeah, well, um, you know the old thing, right? Like uh, you know, if the you, old thing. If, you, if, if you're in the spotlight too too quickly, uh, you know, like it's kind of like what happened with some child actors. You know, sometimes you don't know how to take it, and you turn to booze and drugs, and a year and a half later, you're you're coked out and and you do something stupid at work and you get fucking fired, you know? So, like, that's, you know, that's the way it happens. You fly too close to the sun and, um, yeah, I mean, this, this is awesome. This is an awesome story. You know what I'm hoping? What's this? Okay, so, I'm assuming that a, um, a multi-million dollar corporation such as the Philadelphia Flyers, um, would have more than, like, say, one gritty costume. Just in case. Right? Just just in case. So I'm really hoping that, like, the next Flyers game back after the All-Star break, they, like, you know, mock arrest gritty and take him off, only for another gritty to, like, rappel down from the rafters okay. or something and be right back in our faces yeah. about it. And I think my favorite part about this whole story is the idea that everyone is, like, convinced of the notion that gritty is like actually just like a a, like a real entity and that it's not like legit like probably four different guys on a schedule that just like operate the costume on different days you know like it's like any job it's it's like you know you go to a restaurant and they got a like a schedule of different servers it's not the same like one bartender all the time like there are multiple bartenders you know yeah with cops like there's not just like it's not, it's not like the Simpsons where it's just like the same three cops all the time. Like there are other cops that generally work. So for this costume, like I don't think it's the same guy all the time. It's probably like several guys or women. But if they're punching kids, probably guys. Um, so who gets the charge then? Is the, the, does the entity known as Gritty get charged? See, and that's like the, the guy. In that's the my favorite part about this whole thing, though. Is just picturing Gritty like in the interrogation room, having a fucking cigarette, being like, "I want to talk to my lawyer," not answering any other questions, and it's just Gritty sitting there, like, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, this is this is I, uh, I don't know. This is my favorite thing that's happened in a while. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't really know. Um, what to make of the story itself like like i i like it's just like how did no one else see it happen it that's the happen. thing that bugs it me didn't happen. That, but that's what i mean like if it if it happened where was where okay where in fucking wells fargo arena center whatever it is was gritty and this child alone and no one else saw where like gritty could just punch this fucking like gritty is meant to be out in public you know seen by the masses adored by the masses sure really where where did this happen you think gritty has enough downtime to be alone with a kid no No. he's got people coming up asking for photos for autographs the guy doesn't have a minute beers to to drink lines to snort well yeah yeah Um, you're not wrong he's a rock star absolutely is so there's no way in hell this this is like listen 
this is what you fucking get get with gritty. Like this is just honestly, this is just like you can't honestly tell me that this wasn't going to be like part of it from the beginning. You get gritty, and sometimes gritty's just gonna you know like punch a kid, and that's like them's the breaks. Like that's just sometimes it's just gonna fucking happen. That's the risk you take with having gritty, and um, you know, gritty, gritty giveth and gritty taketh away. You know, I think my favorite part about uh, I, I keep saying that, but like that, what I love so much about this is the fact that um, is now that gritty. It can be like truly inducted into Flyers, uh, uh, the zeitgeist and the and the into Flyers lore and and be compared to legends such as Dave Schultz, Bobby Clark, um, you know Donald Brashear, and and now Gritty, uh, just these wonderful enforcers that played for the Flyers, and now Gritty's truly a Philadelphia Flyer, really. A member of Philadelphia itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the PHWA released their list of mid-season awards uh, with some nominees for each of the uh, major awards. And uh, we're here to tell you, uh, the fine people at home listening to us, how they got it wrong, um, how we know better than the Professional Hockey Writers Association of the NHL, and um, who should have one or I guess you don't really win anything, but no, nope. who should get the honor? Of get the their title? name on the list on the website exactly forever until they delete it and put up put up next year's. I guess. Yeah, you got it. All right. So, did you want to go in order of which they're posted on the website? Your your uh, discretion. Okay. I, well, I will. Heart Trophy is what was first. Okay. On the website, um, I'm just gonna assume that. 65 episodes into a, a fairly niche and smaller hockey podcast that most of our listeners are just aware of that, like, what the awards are. So I'm just, I'm not going to need to describe it unless, like, we're having an in-depth discussion. I'm just going to assume everyone knows what the Hart Trophy is. Uh, PHWA had Connor McDavid at number one, Nathan McKinnon at number two, David Pasternak at number three, which, that's fucking wild it's to me. But, um... Uh, my number one is uh, Nathan McKinnon over McDavid. Uh, my number two is McDavid, and my number three is Jack Eichel. Um, I got to be honest with you. I as good as Pasternak's been this year, I don't think the Bruins would miss a beat with or without Pasternak. To be quite honest with you, so yeah, uh, yeah I don't really understand that. But I, I get the argument. But you're right. Like it's I don't know if they, you know be as good as they are, but I guess there's a, a case to be had for them. Um, I went uh, Connor McDavid, number one, Jack Eichel, number two, Austin Matthews, number three. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be pretty worried to see where the Leafs would be at if, if Austin didn't uh, have the kind of season he's been having, but that being said, he's uh, miles behind McDavid and Eichel as far as that's concerned. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I I, think that the Avalanche probably would be nowhere remotely close to a playoff spot without Nathan McKinnon right now. Um, so, like, uh, it, it's fair. I, I get the Matthews argument. I, I don't think he's that, like, he wouldn't be that far down my ballot. Probably fifth or sixth. Like, I don't feel quite as strongly as you do, but I, I think there is a case to be made there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even really know who my number four is. Honestly, like, my number four thought was uh was Connor Hellebuck but um he's also 
the reason they lose some nights, so uh, yeah. it's hard to say. Tough one. But, uh, Norris, Norris Trophy. Norris Trophy. Um, uh, the uh, the PHWA has John Carlson at number one, Roman Yossi at number two, Dougie Hamilton at number three. Uh, I have Dougie Hamilton at number one, Alex Petrangelo at number two, and John Carlson at number three. Amen. Same? Same Z's. Nice, man. There we go. Like, like, here's the, like, this is the funny thing. So last year we did the PHWA Awards, and we did our end of the year ballots, and both, I'm pretty sure both times I had John Carlson, like, second or third, but last year was the year where John Carlson, like, got no love at all hmm. in any ballots and anything like that. Like, I don't even think he ended up being a nominee for the Norse. But last year he was unbelievable. This year he's been, like, very, very... Very, very average defensively. Right. Um, but he's got 60 he's, points. He's going to get been, the votes for the... He, yeah. He's been great yeah. on the power play, not great 5-on-5 five five at all. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think what he... I think that the fact that he's got 60 points in 48 games or whatever is enough for me to admit that he's probably worthy of Norris' discussion. But, um, like, the Norris is always hilarious, man. Like, everyone's just... It's almost like a Lifetime Achievement Award now, like, where I just find, like, we're always giving it to guys on the wrong year, you know? And now we're going to give John Carlson a Norris, but it's like, well, he was way better last year. He's not deserving, like, he barely even got my nomination, hmm. to be quite honest yeah. with you. I yeah. almost, I, Victor Hedman is like 3B to me, because Victor Hedman, who won a Norris in a year where he shouldn't have won one, is, like, worthy of Norris discussion now. But it's going to be interesting to see. John Carlson's going to win the fucking Norris here because Dougie Hamilton's out. And, you know, I know he's not going to be my number one vote for the Norris, you know, come year-end ballots. But, um, I don't know. I To me, honestly, I think Petrangelo's been the best all-around defenseman in the league other than Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird year because your usual list of heavy hitters is kind of faded off yeah Burns and Carlson and Doughty and you know Keith even if you want to go back Subban. that far Subban they, they've all yeah passed maybe what's you want to consider their prime and it's time for this new wave of guys to come in and, and I think Doug Hamilton's primed for it I I don't know if he's going to get the love just because of the market he's in and I think that's a real shame but I think he deserves it at this point yeah yeah I mean, that's the tough thing for Dougie, right? He's going to end up playing 52 games this year probably by the time he's back. So it's like, you know, um, yeah, tough, tough situation. But yeah, it's because Dougie Hamilton, to me, a guy that I openly on this podcast early last year was, you know, I said I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm a fan. This is Mark Giordano from a couple years ago where the guy that probably should win it isn't going to win it because he's going to miss... Yeah. Enough games that he's, you know, yeah. someone bad. That's another guy so. that's dropped off, too, speaking of which. True. But, uh, Selkie Trophy, the uh, PHWA has number one, Sean oh, Couturier. They, shocker, uh, spoiler alert, they have three centermen. Yeah. Number one, Sean Couturier. Uh, number two, Patrice Bergeron. Number three, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, my ballot, I have number one, Mark Stone, as per fucking usual. Uh, number two, Sean Couturier. Number three, Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I also and my number four would be O'Reilly. Like, uh, like I think that's a fine ballot. It's just like sure. you're forgetting about the best defensive forward in the NHL because he happens to play wing. I have Mark Stone at number one. I have Ryan O'Reilly at number two. And I have Alex Barkov at number three. Who? Uh, Barkov. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've 
this he's is been, like, the funny thing was is last year everyone was like, ooh, Barkov for the Selkie. And I was like, yeah, he's been bad defensively. This year he's been he's good. pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, this is going to sound outrageous. I, I, I cannot vote for Bergeron anymore. It's like... <laughs> It, you know what I mean? Like it's it's like when you when you've you win it so many times, it's like okay, we get it. You're gonna go up on some sort of plaque where it's like, yeah, every year he plays, he should win it, kind of thing. So just assume he's the best and give the award. It's kind of like that episode of the of Seinfeld where um, everyone's talking about going to see the English Patient, and Elaine's just so sick of hearing about it, so she goes to see it and she walks out on it because it sucks, mm. and she hates it even more. Because people just keep talking about it and won't shut up about it. So, um, you know, like she loses it on uh, on John O'Hurley, her her boss there, uh, um, you know, Jay Peterman. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mark Stone doesn't win it this year. I, I might I might give up on hockey. Um, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far. But, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know. Like, I gotta be kind of fucking honest with you, man. Like, maybe it's just, like, I'm part of the problem here. I think I'm getting to the point where I legit think that Barkov might be the most overrated player in the league. Like, I watched him play, and, yeah, he's good. He's not great. Like, I don't I don't look at him as, like, a top five center that people make him out to be. Like, a legit, like, a, like an, oh, he plays in Florida, so no one notices him. Like, I don't know. Like, he, he, he makes mistakes. He doesn't seem to, like incredibly drive the play like a Crosby or a McDavid or you know even like Matthews has been this year like it's just I don't know he doesn't overwhelm me I gotta be honest with you but um yeah fair enough fair enough you know whatever they should move the Panthers um Calder Trophy uh I close the PHWA here Calder Trophy number one Kale McCarr number two Quinn Hughes number three Victor Olofsson, my ballot. I have number one, Kale McCarr. Number two, Quinn Hughes. Number three, Ilya Samsonov of the Washington Capitals. Uh, Gotta tell you, Victor Olofsson probably cracks my top ten, but that's about it. I don't, like, he's he's been okay. He's a good power play player who's not been good five on five. He was doing really good before he got hurt. Name was hurt, and he's not going to win it. It's like Mikhaev. Mikhaev's not going to win it because he got hurt, and that's that. Yeah. Um... Like, Kubelik might be my four, but he's only really been good the last, like, couple weeks. So, it's oh, it's hard to make I, a case. I disagree. Uh, I got Kel McCarver No, one, like, I, like I don't... two and Kubelik number three. Like, he, he had, like, ten goals till like, three weeks ago. Like, most of his goals are in the last couple weeks. Uh, he's been really good lately. He had just a bunch of two-goal games strung together there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I... I think there's something to be said for the, the the guy leading the rookies in goals at this point, and I know that the two heavy hitters are defensemen. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, like he wouldn't have been in my top ten like three weeks ago, but now he's just been really good lately. So it's like, okay, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't great at the beginning of the year though. I think I, I, I like Kubalik. Has he played all year. Kubalik four, yeah, pretty much like yeah. 42, okay. 43 games. He just got hurt. That was it. Um, he's an interesting story anyway. Like I root for the kid. He's got an interesting background, but. Um, Kubalik four. I, I probably even have like John Marino would be right around there for me, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's Makar's to lose. Eh? Sorry, so you you have Makar, Hughes, and what? Kubalik. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Makar's to lose at this point. It's it's just, uh, it's close pretty, about pretty running much. away. Yeah, make it right. Uh, like, if he gets hurt, maybe. But 
You think so? I think, I, I think so. Hughes is right there. Uh, and Hughes has been a lot better lately, too, which is kind of helping yeah. his case. So I don't know. I, 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 it's still is, it's still McCarr for sure to yeah, me. But Hughes is having a fantastic Hughes year, could easily but... like have a couple unreal weeks on a, on what is a gap, good team. But I, like, I don't know. Here's a, that's the thing that worries me is like Vancouver is I'm willing to say at this point like a good team and Colorado does still concern me. So I think there's room for like Quinn Hughes to even just like step up even more and you know pad his numbers a little bit and help him out there for yeah, that possibly. case. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Lady Bing Trophy, which is a fucking batshit crazy award. Um, the Speaking of batshit crazy, the three nominees that the PHWA have uh, is uh, uh, noted for running around Cole Harbor drunk and disorderly uh, Nathan McKinnon, uh, noted for running around drunk and disorderly in Scottsdale, Arizona, Austin Matthews, and noted for running... A truck drunk and disorderly, uh, Ryan O'Reilly. They don't take a lot of penalties. And they they play a very high level game, so I I get it. But part of this award is off the ice, how you carry yourself off the ice, how you behave like in game, and I don't look at it, any of those three guys other than the fact that they don't take penalties as gentlemanly. My my ballot is number one, uh, Elias Patterson. Number two. Uh, Mitch Marner, and number three, Kale McCart. I th- I think that this trophy needs a, a, a rebranding. Yeah. Let's just make it the most sportsmanlike player award. The Lady Schwing. All the way down into novice, kids get a, a trophy for sportsmanlike yeah. sportsmanship every year. Uh, this gentlemanly conduct, high standard of playing thing is kind of it's it's really ugly. Like it's worded very ugly, and they they got to do something about cleaning that up. Um, I I I don't know if like if you want to keep the gentlemanly thing I agree with you but I, if it's based on pure sportsmanship I think you got to throw the off ice stuff out the window um, because that's what we're voting on right uh, at the end of the day these are hockey players and we're voting on their hockey okay skills. well then even if like I'm making another point then I, Ryan O'Reilly for sure but McKinnon like yelling and screaming at his teammates and yelling and screaming at his coach so like right. he's not even fucking close still. And Austin Matthews again, I don't really look at as being like overly sportsmanshipy. So sure, you know he is kind of bitchy. Yeah, and that's like Matthews is. I love the guy. He's cocky, but, but yeah. Um, I've got uh, Kale McCart number one. Nice. I've got Roman Yossi at number two. Okay. And I've got Mitch Marner at number three. Yeah. Because again, we're going by this whole plays well, doesn't take a lot of penalties type of thing. He's a chipper young guy. Uh, you know, Seems happy he, all the uh, time. He so. works hard. Uh, we're trying to teach him to do things the right way. We know? should have Mitch Marner make a list and order <laughs> these awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Vesna Trophy, which is always fun, uh, it becoming by far, I think, the hardest trophy to try to evaluate in hockey. Like this is just a fucking. You could go any which way on this one, but there's a few. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see if we have any of the three same names on ours. But Vesna Trophy, the PHWA went number one, Connor Hellebuck, number two, Ben Bishop, number three, Darcy Kemper. Uh, I went number one, Tristan Jari, number two, Ben Bishop, number three, Connor Hellebuck. Okay, uh, I went number one, Connor Hellebuck, mm-hmm. uh, number two, Andre Vasilevsky, and number three, Tristan Jari. I don't think I even know what Vasilevsky's numbers are. They were better than I thought when I looked them up here, and I can pull them up in a smidge. I mean, they've been on fire lately. 
when I when I kind of compared him to the other goalies around the league, he was he was having like a, a better season than Bishop, not as good as you know Jari kind of thing. Um, he's got twenty four wins, nine losses, uh, two overtime losses, a nine seventeen, uh, which is right on par with Bishop, uh, and a two fifty four, which is actually a little better than Bishop. Um, and yeah, okay, he plays for Tampa Bay and all that, and and uh, you know they're gonna win all these games regardless of who's net. But if you're gonna make the counter argument for the first half of the season that they're not winning games because of Andrei Vasilevsky, then we thus have to make the counter argument when they start winning twelve games in a row that maybe he has something to do with it. So I don't know. Uh, just halfway through the season, I think that's where he, he belongs. He probably doesn't end up there at the end of the when it's all said and done, but. Give him some love now. I'm not crazy about him. Uh, Jack Adams, which is the worst. Um, but this year is actually a year where there's like, you can make some good cases, I think. So uh, it's one of the years recently where I actually am enjoying the coaching race because there's some interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PHWA had number one, Mike Sullivan. Number two, John Tortorella. Number three, Craig Berube. I have number one, Mike Sullivan. Number two, John Tortorella. Number three, Barry Trotz of the New York Islanders. I've got Barry Trotz number one. I've got Paul Maurice at two, and I've got Mike Sullivan at three. Cool. Yeah. I, I can we put to bed the notion that a coach can't win this award two years in a row? Uh, for sure. I just um, I I definitely think the Islanders were better last year um, than they are this year, and that's saying something. Um, yeah. So they might be. I I don't know. I just like. I gotta like, be honest with you, like, like I, I don't disagree with you, I can't remember two coaching performances quite like Sullivan and Tortorella this year. Sullivan is doing, I can't even describe how amazed I am with the what he's done this year with that team. So, Sullivan to me is like runaway fucking number one, and we're talking about like number two and number three being also two teams that shouldn't be good this year that are doing okay. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not as sold on Sullivan. Like I, I look at what Paul Maurice is doing with Winnipeg, and I, I see that as being slightly more impressive than Mike Sullivan. Because at the end of the day, Mike Sullivan still, at some point or another, has had, you know, Malkin or Crosby plus Latang, and you know, Paul Maurice is fielding a lineup of guys that probably shouldn't be playing in the a- AHL. Well, what I, so, what I will say is is Paul Maurice is doing something that we haven't seen in the sense that um, their, their winning games is defying all fucking logic from advanced stats because they have been, uh, in pretty much every metric, the worst team in the NHL this year, in, other than like maybe two things, and it seems to be two of the reasons why they're winning games. Sure. And, and Maurice has been on record saying that um, they have different advanced stats than what, like, is available to the public. They, they use a, a, like a different set of data and the way they like value things and look at things. And he thinks they've been quite good this year. So, I mean, that's fine. I, I watch them and I understand where he's coming from because when they get scoring chances, they are grade a, the problem is they don't get a lot of them and they give up a fucking ton. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I am, I am impressed with Maurice but not to the point where I would put him in coach of the year conversation at this point. Okay. He could very easily re-enter it. It's just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the Penguins have like fucking 
some nights this year I've watched some of their games and they have like one of the worst rosters I think I've ever seen. Um, like they're fucking worse on paper than Detroit some nights and it's like Ooh. Detroit is getting blown out 9 nothing, and Pittsburgh somehow beating like the fucking Capitals and stuff. It's crazy. I don't know. Um, the Rod Langway Award, which is always a fun time. Um, the NHL, uh, uh, yeah, I guess there's no real reason for anyone at home to know this one. This is a PHWA award that does not exist in the NHL awards. It goes to the defenseman who excels in the defensive aspect of the game. So you don't necessarily need to put up points. You just need to be the best defensive defenseman kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, uh, my number one is Jacob Slavin. My number two is Shea Theodore. My number three is John Marino. Um... When we talked last night, uh, you uh, you told me we weren't doing this one, so I didn't prepare for oh, this nice. one. Oh, nice. So okay. Uh, I'll defer to your list and tell you you got that one bang on. Cool. Cool. Uh, the NHL <laughs> also put uh, uh, Slavin, number one, Hedman, number two, Yossi, number three. Uh, did you do Comeback Player of the Year? I did do Comeback right, Player well, of the Year. I, I did that one. Uh, the NHL, uh, the PHWA put uh, number one, William Nylander, number two, Anthony Duclair. And number three, Max Pacioretty. Um, my problem with the PHWA award is um, comeback player of the year insinuates that you were good in the first place. So Anthony Duclair does yeah, not qualify didn't get for the that. award. Right there in the definition. Doesn't the qualify for the award. Level of performance. What's his career high in points? Like thirty-five. When like, was that's the not, previous like, that's, high that's level That's fine. Yeah, but just... um, yeah, no. He, like again, like he doesn't qualify for this award. So my number one is William Nylander. My number two is Max Pacioretty. My number three is Nick Schmaltz, who. Um, was having an incredible year last year and then got hurt and now he's back and has been yeah I don't know pretty good like not as good as he was on pace for last year but sure um, um, pretty impressive comeback I I I think it's kind of a, a dumb award um, just because they they do specifically call out long term injury or major illness uh, it's just the Masterson so uh, I don't look at guys that have been hurt and came back I didn't I didn't factor those guys into it. Um, I went number one, Brian Rust. I went number two, JT Miller. And I went number three, Jake Allen. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know that this is a numbers league and everyone only seems to care about the three big numbers of goals, assists, and points. Yeah. But I, I don't really see how William Nylander should win this award. Um, yeah, he didn't put up a bunch of points last year. But he was night in and night out one of the Leafs' best players over the second half of the season. Well, I think it's just so, more so that he like he's just kind of like this sounds like a stupid argument, but hear me out. Like th- that he's just got he's got a swagger back. Like he's he's not hitting the post and he like he looks like he's more confident out there. He's doing a lot of the same things. He's just getting better results because he looks like he's a little more practiced and and like you know what I mean. Like sure. um yeah, I, I don't know. He, I, I, I think he's done a great job this year and oh, deserves fantastic. to. Fantastic. You know, uh, I am curious. Like, doesn't Brian Rust fall into the Anthony Duclair category though? Like, his career high in points is thirty-eight. Um, he's he's having maybe what you call a breakout season, but there was there was a point uh, two three seasons ago where yeah, I guess when he first got called up, he was kind of like a he yeah. wasn't really putting up the numbers though. I, but... I remember two or three years ago thinking like, "Oh yeah, he's pretty good," and then he really just did not impress me anymore and dropped right off. And I thought, oh, "That's that's it. He's a thirty-point guy now, maybe less for the rest of his career." And um, uh, this is more closer to what I remember watching when he first broke, like those Stanley Cup seasons with Pittsburgh. He was okay. more notable. 
The Breakaway King. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, because we don't uh, okay. acknowledge the GM of the Year awards no, in this podcast. That's insane. Yeah, to like to to even think of the notion, like you know, here here's your GM of the Year, Kyle Dubas, number one, two, and three. Because guess what, the Leafs call up and send down five guys every day. It feels like I don't know. They're working the cap. They're and and by far he leads the league in transactions. You know when you play Yahoo Fantasy Hockey and you can go into the standings and you can sort who's made the most moves. Kyle Dubas by a freaking country mile has made the most moves this year. So he's working the hardest, I guess. Like if that's what this award is, traded away Patty Marlowe. Isn't this the fucking like I guess? Well, I'm not even looking at actual accomplishments. I'm just saying like if we're evaluating what he's done this season since October third, yeah, he's been called up and sent down the most amount of fucking guys. So there you go. For the record. I think uh, you made a trade? Did he, did we make a trade this year? I don't know. This year? Did we? No. I don't think so. Oh, wait. But we, we oh, got Barry. Nick Nick Shore on what? But that wasn't this year. Yeah. We're evaluating this season. When's the season start? Season starts October July 3rd. 1st. Technically, no, the, no. technically, that's when the new oh, contracts oh, kick in. Okay. Then, then Anthony Duclair hasn't been uh, one of the best comeback players because... He did a terrible job negotiating this contract. There you go. Look, I'm just saying I I, I think it's a stupid fucking award. And, and Makes no sense. The fact that they even acknowledge a half year. If you're going to do it at the year end, that's one thing. But it's incredibly stupid right now. No trade deadline to account for. No, no draft to account no. for. No playoff success and, to account and for. And even still, how do you even fucking evaluate a good trade deadline until like June? Anyway, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I don't fucking know. Like, just because, like, you go out and trade for Chris Kreider. What if Chris Kreider puts up one assist in 20 games and you guys don't make the playoffs? I don't know. Maybe he was a fucking horrible move. But just because he's number one on the TSN trade bait list. Um, for the yeah, record. Now I'm getting worked up. Uh, Joe Sackick voted number one for, I'm assuming, um, trading for drafting Kadri. Drafting Kale McCarr several years um, ago. Yeah. I had something else I was going to mention, but I, I guess that's it. Uh, John Shake at number two for getting Darcy Kemper. Um, well, they did that a few years ago, but I'll, uh, is that also a few years ago now. Yeah, uh, Castle and Hall, I guess maybe. Oh, okay, but, that's fair. Yeah, uh, and number three, Doug Armstrong for defending the Stanley Cup well for hiring Craig Berube in 2018. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like for drafting Jordan Bennington in what, like 2010? Yeah, good move. Yeah, good job. I don't even think he was the GM back then. So. I don't. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, okay. Top 10? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, top 10, I forgot about that. Top 10, top 10. It's still Oscar season. Uh, it should be a, f- a fairly quick one, but uh, it should be a fun one. Uh, this be. is the top 10, uh, our top 10 favorite movies that have not been nominated for any Academy Award of any kind. And um, I can't wait to find out on Twitter from one of you fine folks that one of my uh, movies actually was nominated for sound editing or some bullshit that I watched. Oh, you didn't fact check your movies? I tried to. That's mint. That's... <laughs> That's mint. All right. Did what I could. Uh, my honorable mention, it does not make the cut, um, but my honorable mention movie, I, because I, I told you I had one on my list that you were going to like, and then I remembered while we were talking earlier that I forgot a very crucial movie that I feel strongly should have won several Academy Awards. Um, this is Spinal Tap, is my number 11. My number 10 is This is Spinal Tap <laughs> from 1980. Um, like, like, look, up to that point, one of the most original movies ever made. There's nothing like it. You'd never seen anything like it. The Office doesn't exist today without it. Parks and Rec doesn't exist today without it. What We Do in the Shadows doesn't exist today without it. It was 
a movie 30 years ahead of its time. It is completely genius. And in my opinion, if we had never heard of mockumentaries up until like 1997, if that got nominated, well, I think that was the year that uh, Titanic won. But maybe 98, is that Shakespeare in Love? Yeah. It would have beat that for sure. 99? 98. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, we said favorite. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's not what the Oscars are about. No. It's a fantastic film. I enjoy no, it. I, I genuinely think it could have won an Oscar, though. That's maybe, what I'm saying. Maybe it was nominated for, like, soundtrack or some bullshit. Best original soundtrack. I, it's probably the one that I didn't yeah. fact check, because I just kind assumed, of assumed yeah. there's just no fucking way. For sure. So whatever, yeah. yeah. What That's a, my number 10. What a terrible list. We don't even know the uh, the answer to. Uh, Spinal Tap was not nominated for an Academy Award. I just checked. Good. Uh, my number 10 is Fracture from 2008. Uh, easily Anthony Hopkins could have won uh, for Best Actor Ryan Gosling could have won for Best Supporting Actor uh, could have won Best Original Screenplay didn't win any of those things so there you go good film Yeah, really enjoy it my number 9 is uh, Four Brothers oh yeah Mark Wahlberg that's a good movie uh, Andre 3000 some other guys that I can't remember um, Tyrese is in that is that it Terrence Howard's in oh, that oh yeah, yeah Terrence Howard that skinny white kid is, is somebody now, too. I remember that was, like, one of his first roles. Uh, little Jack there? Yeah. What's, uh, he's doing something now. He's, what's his name? Garrett Garrett Headland? Something like that, I yeah. think his name is. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, he's... He was in something recently. He's in stuff. Like, he's mm-hmm. in On the Road. Um, I think that's him. I don't know. I'll like, I'm going to go and, like, start naming things he's done before I actually check that that's who it is. Yeah, Garrett Headland. Um, something recently, I thought. Yeah, he's, um, he's, a, he's a good actor. He's fine. Is that all you have to say on Four Brothers? Yeah, it was, was going to bother me, though, uh, what he was in recently. Okay. Um, and, uh, Ooh, Sofia it? Vergara, right, is in that. Uh, Chawita Logia 4? That's mm. a good film. Apparently nothing. Okay. Barry Shabaka Henley's in that as well. Great guy. Cool. Uh, that was your number nine? That was my number nine. My number nine is Shutter Island. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about that film. Again. Good call. Um, you know, you know, honestly, you know who always like captures me in that movie is in one scene... But it's it's Ted Levine, who, ironically, going back to Anthony Hopkins, is Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, um, plays the warden. Mm-hmm. And that's the scene where they're driving back from when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is in the cave with Rachel Solando, the real Rachel Solando. Huge fucking spoiler alert right there. Um, <laughs> and they're talking about, uh, like, human nature and how, like, humans are, like, bread to kill and stuff like that and Leonardo DiCaprio's like this guy's fucked and like they're just having that conversation and so he stops to let him back into the into the the I was gonna call it the prison into the hospital and he leans over to him and he's like if I were to sink my eyes into your or my teeth into your eyes right now would you be able to uh like hit me but hit me and stop me kind of thing and and Leonardo DiCaprio looks at him he's like why don't you go ahead and we'll find out and he's like, that's the spirit. Anyway, Ted Levine, like, in, in like, one of the best one-scene appearances I think I've ever seen in a movie. He's just... Just the one scene, eh? Unbelievable. And, well, he's in another scene, but he doesn't have a line. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which is crazy for, you know, the warden of the prison. That, that is um, a great film sorry, that I forgot um, about. Not prison. Uh, hospital, I guess it's supposed to be, but... Se- uh, the, the, yeah, the... Mark Ruffalo in, in Salem, like Academy Award winners, yeah. just everywhere. That's oh, wow. a Marty Scorsese movie, dropping like from the rafters. It's it's unbelievable film, yeah, Un- unbelievable. I'm fucking uh, Michelle Williams in that. Brad Pitt is actually like a prison guard in one of the scenes. Really? No, 
Okay. Uh, number eight for me. <laughs> you can see Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. studying for a role in one of the cells there. Joel Pecci is actually hanging himself in the background of one of the scenes. Uh... <laughs> Teddy, are you fucking serious? You think this is a real fucking hospital? <laughs> If you're fucking, uh, they should have got him to play that George Noyce guy yeah. in the basement there, no and just <laughs> it would have been way less believable, but it would have still simultaneously been a better acting performance. I'm not insane, but Teddy, I know you're fucking insane. Teddy, you're fucking insane. Number eight for me is the interview. Ooh, uh, that was a fantastic piece of comedy writing, and the comedy club doesn't get enough love at the oscars i'm i'm convinced yeah um it was ingenious let's take the the world's like premier bad guy terrorist currently and make him we're not making a movie about hitler we're not making a movie about stalin this is the guy right now today and so it goes so far to get banned from like movie theaters and shit because we don't want to start world war three that is genius writing in itself Interview. You know what's eight. fucked up about that movie is that they interviewed Seth Rogen recently and they asked him like if he could like take one of his movies and like delete it from the fucking cultural zeitgeist. He said the interview because he thought that it was like the worst script he'd ever written. He thought like he thought they rushed it was his problem and that it could have been way better. And I'm like, if you think you could have made that movie fucking way better, that is like pound for pound one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I don't even necessarily love the concept of the movie. I just think the jokes are fucking hilarious. Like, I think it's just... It's like James Franco at his finest in that movie, by the way. Um, Our people, we're not so different, you and us. (laughs) That opening scene with Eminem is like... That's like top ten comedy scenes ever, man. I cannot... You know, because I'm gay. And it literally takes him like ten seconds to be like, Wait, what what the fuck? (laughs) Eminem's gay on our show! Eminem's gay on our show! I, I, I cannot... To this day, look at Rob Lowe without thinking of the scene where he takes yeah. the wig off. Like, <laughs> and Joe, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, too. It's like, yeah. thanks to our guest, Joe Gordon-Levitt, who's just playing with a bunch of cats. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a great, great movie. There you go. Uh, my number eight from 2001, John Q. Um, not the best movie, but arguably top five acting performance of Denzel Washington's career. And as you know, Denzel Washington is a very good actor. Um, so yeah, I, 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 he, every time I watch that movie, he blows me away. I've seen that movie like 20 times. He blows me away. Great film. He's a fucking incredible in that movie. The line, I'm not going to bury my son. My son is going to bury me. Love it. Love that scene. Love everything about that movie. Even great cast. Ray Liotta, Robert Duvall. James Woods is a fucking asshole, but he's in the movie. Uh, Anne Hesch is a Daryl, but she's in it. You know, yeah. I think Eddie Griffin's in it too. He's one of the. Uh, he's one of the uh, cops. Uh, no, he's oh. one of the. Um, he's one of the guys in the waiting room. Oh, yeah, just hanging out. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. He's chirping. I think he's a pimp actually in the I, movie, but I just came here to get some penicillin for this yeah. rash. Yeah, and now I'm stuck it's in this hostage penicillin. situation. I think uh, I also think Kevin Connolly from Entourage is the nurse, if I remember correctly. So, hmm. the male nurse. Yeah, good um, film. From one Denzel film to another, my Ooh, number seven of Pelham is One Two Three. Uh, no, uh, Book of Eli. Yeah, you like Book of Eli. I'm, eh? a, I'm a fan. Um, more like this is one where it's like maybe the movie isn't as good overall, but. 
Denzel playing a blind guy the whole time without any of us knowing it till the end, uh, pretty good acting. Denzel's good. Yeah, Denzel's great. Mm-hmm. I could I, I could have a top ten of Denzel films. Yeah, did, did we not do that I yet? We, we were gonna do it. I thought we did. I don't think we ended up doing it. We should it, do that. I think we I think it was like a vote and just people voted for other things. Oh, but maybe. that was like a year and a bit ago. Let's bring that back. I don't think we did it. So yeah, we might have to do that. Uh, my number seven, uh, Mike Wern. Shout out to Mike Wern on this one. At Mike Wern, uh, if I could like, you know, if you could get a notification that you've been mentioned in a podcast. Every time the podcast. Oh, and his phone annoying. vibrate right now. Uh, number seven from 2018, Beautiful Boy. Uh, got snubbed. Didn't get a single nomination. Nothing. Wow. That, that is one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen in my life. It is the only movie on this list that I will say, uh, don't get me wrong, it's a fucking drag. Uh, it, not a happy topic at all. But the acting is so incredible in it. The movie's so well done. The story's so interesting. Um, it is one of the most depressing movies that I will watch again. So, really liked Beautiful Boy. Hmm. It's great. Fair, fair enough. Yep. Uh, my number, where am I at? Six? Number six? Yeah, number, yep. s- number six. Number better. six. Uh, 1992's Reservoir Dogs. Nice. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. I guess it's not his debut, but you know, one of his one of his very first films. Um, definitely could have been nominated for director. Uh, Harvey Keitel probably could have got a lead actor vote. Uh, Harvey Tim, Keitel's mint. Tim Roth should have got a supporting actor vote. Uh, nom, pretty good in it. For sure. Um, you could make a case for a lot of the actors in that. Like, it's just such a good could. cast. You know Chris what I mean? Penn, like, for sure. Michael, Michael Madsen, Madsen, I yeah. thought, was kind of... I think, honestly, Michael Madsen's like the shining... Yeah, yeah. Shining beacon of the movie, I guess, but... Mm. Yeah. Um, I think, like, that's got to be one of the only Tarantino films not to get, like, an, even a single nomination. As far as I know, it is the only one. Mm. Yeah. Kill, both Kill Bills, eh? Definitely the first one. Yeah. I don't know about the second one. but oh, There you go. Yeah. Number six. Uh, my number six is Take Shelter from 2011, starring Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. Uh, Michael Shannon is convinced that there is a major storm coming, although that there is no actual yeah. medical... Or, sorry, um, there's no actual, like, meteorologist report saying that Chicken that's Little. going on. Um, yeah. Sure. And so um, he's convinced that there's a massive storm coming. He, like, loses it on the town one day. And, uh, again, I would strongly recommend the movie, so I'm going to say this and give you a second. Spoiler alert. Um, The end of the movie, there ends up being a storm. But because he gets treated for borderline personality disorder and schizophrenia, you're kind of left not knowing if the storm is actually real or if it's a metaphor for his mental state. Um, it is one of those movies where if you don't like interpretive endings, you may or may not like it, although I think the ending is pretty clear one way or another, um, but I guess you could debate it if you wanted. Um Michael Shannon is one of my favorite actors, and this movie is is for sure why is I will go so far as to say one of the best acting performances I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, Take Shelter would very strongly recommend. It, it, he was rumored to be getting nominated for that, and I, it was rumored to be on the radar for a couple Oscars, and it just didn't get any noms. So, 
It was close. It received its uh, debut release in Croatia. Yeah, well, I, I didn't think Jeff Nichols was Croatian, but maybe he is. Yeah, He's from know. Little Rock, Arkansas. Hmm. Uh, if you like uh, Jeff Nichols, too, uh, or if you're not familiar, he also did Loving, which was nominated for an Academy Award a few years ago, as well as Mud. He did Mud with Matthew McConaughey. I don't think I've seen Mud, but... Mud's alright. Yeah. Loving's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number five, top five. Uh, my number five is The Big Lebowski from 1998. Mm. Um, Never heard of it. No. Really. You should check it out. You yeah. might like it. Yeah. Uh, it's about right. this guy. You have a feeling I'm going to have something to say about calls it later. Him the dude calls himself the dude, um, and he likes to bowl. That's pretty much it. Cool. He drinks white Russians, and he bowls. I like all of those things. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Do you like white Russians? I do. Oh, wow. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. Good. They're really good. I haven't had one in a few years, but I like them a lot. Uh, my number five is Reservoir Dogs uh, by my favorite director, Quentin Tarantino. And I got to say... Reservoir Dogs is probably my least favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. And I absolutely love it. Like, it's great. But, you know. Well, I'd say The Hateful Eight is probably my least favorite. But I thought you hated the Kill Bills. I don't hate them, but I don't really love them. Uh, I, I almost look at them separately, though. Because they're kind of their own thing. Yeah, I don't know. I love Reservoir Dogs. It's great. Uh, every moment of it. It's just a super interesting script. Kind of a bizarre movie, but super interesting script. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. And I can't imagine anything like it will ever be made again. So Probably not. Mr. Pink. I don't want to be Mr. Pink. Number four for me. I'm going to reiterate. This is our favorite. This is our list of favorites. It's going to be something terrible. Number four is super bad. Okay. Come on. Alright. That, that, that is yeah, comic I didn't, gold. I, I was, I, like, the issue with this for me is I just like I, I tend to separate pure comedies from everything else because I'm Willing to admit that most of them are bad, but um, this is this is the problem though. Is like the you, only you have to represent like the greatest. Like if you're going to call yourself the Academy of Motion Pictures, you have to respect the different genres. And I find that comedy does not have enough respect in this regard. And okay, yeah, maybe some of the writing is. We got to make it an interesting script too, right? Like that's another thing though. It can't just be like a bunch of jokes with like no plot. Because like sure. in reality, like super bad is pretty much that um you know like it's still an interesting plot but it's like nothing but it's a incredible. plot that i think we can all relate to i th- like i th- i think to me like if you're talking like a a, a comedy movie with like a, a good plot like i mean it like as recently as 2013 nebraska got nominated for an academy award and nebraska is like fucking hilarious you know what i mean like it does happen it's just like it's got to be kind of something else going on with it nebraska's like artistically a good movie the acting is unbelievable and you know yeah yeah that's fine i know what you're saying that. Uh, yeah, yeah. i feel like get him to the greek is one like maybe that could have been borderline i mean like you gotta look like two like tropic thunder got an academy award nomination i think got two of them actually um you know it does happen it's sure. just, yeah you're right it's yeah. kind of rare but i think it's rare for a reason yeah yeah uh, my number four is zodiac david fincher uh, who is an Academy Award winning director, I believe. Uh, I don't know. It's 2, o- two o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I think he won Best Director for uh, Social Network. I could be wrong. But uh, yeah, Zodiac, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo. I could go on for a while. Uh, very good film about what is one of the most interesting topics in the history of time to me. 
which is the Zodiac Killer. I uh, own a couple books about it, and I find the Zodiac Killer very interesting. So, um, yeah, love the film. Hmm. He uh, he did Seven in Fight Club. He what? He directed uh, Seven and Fight Club. He's doing Mindhunter right now. I don't know if you ever watched that. That's a good one. Oh, I, I I know I know stuff he's done. I just I believe he won an Academy Award for yeah, I, Social I, Network. I, I can't find oh Social Network. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say he's an Academy Award winner. Anywhere, oh, maybe not. But who knows? Yeah, it's two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three, top three. Uh, my number three is the movie Forty Two. Um, I gotta revisit that one. Yeah, I I I thought this had like Academy all over it. Um, really? Yeah. I remember thinking that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life when I watched it, but... That's bold. Um, it's definitely funny. Just... 42? Oh! I'm thinking movie 43. Because <laughs> <laughs> I heard you say movie 42, right? So I'm thinking literally movie 43. Which is like a anthology comedy film about like farts and boogers uh starring elizabeth banks bob odenkirk gerard butler i think this has academy halle berry christopher mintz plass hugh jackman terrence howard richard gears in that emma stone uma thurman kate winslet jason sudeikis Tony Shaloub, Julianne Moore, Johnny Knoxville, <laughs> Josh Dumel, Leslie Bibb, Halle Berry, Kristen Bell. I, I'm like, I'm only like halfway through the notable names. That movie's actually got a fucking ridiculous cast. Uh, it yeah, won. Yeah, not that movie. Uh, you know what's meant to is the film won. Three awards, including Worst Picture at the 34th Annual Golden Raspberry Awards, which nominates the worst movies of the year. So uh, you can understand my confusion at, no, to, at the time. Because that is... I think this has, this has Academy written all over Yeah, I'm like, that's like, not only is it one of the worst comedies ever made, it's one of the worst movies ever made, probably. You're sitting there going like, I don't know if I can do movie stuff with this guy anymore. Yeah, like I remember watching movie forty three with you, and uh, like both of us being like, "This I is don't terrible." Think I've seen that movie? Yeah, well, it's it's maybe oh maybe not. It anyway, sound familiar? Anyway, okay. I um put movie uh, forty two on my list. The movie forty two. Um, That's just case number one there. Why sequels are never a good idea. Yeah. Jackie Robinson wasn't even in fucking movie exactly. 43. Like, Bullshit. He, he dies, right? But, yeah, um, yeah uh, 42, uh, destroyed Jackie Robinson. Um, thought it was absolutely fantastic. Like, it, was, it was almost a near-perfect biopic, uh, as far as I was concerned, sure. about one of the most iconic sports figures in uh, you know American history. And um, solid acting. And uh, I, I thought, you know... I, I think it's hard to, to say specifically where it would get nominated for anything. Like, it's not like it had great anything, but it was just great all around, sure. uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, that's my number three. Cool. Not 43. Yeah, thank God. Uh, my number three is from 2006, Inside Man, uh, in what I believe is probably the greatest thriller I've ever seen. So Really? 
Yeah, I think it's a fucking unbelievable movie. No, oh, it's a great film. The idea that Claude... Like, I, I, I understand that this is a fictional movie, right? So, like, I get it's a script and this didn't really happen. But, like, the idea that Clive Owen basically... T- spoiler alert. Tells Denzel Washington that he's going to walk out the fucking front door of the bank when he is, like, in a hostage situation robbing a bank. And then Clive Owen walks out the fucking front door of the bank... Because of the way, like, I guess I'm in deep now anyway. Uh, because he hides in the bank for like a, a week after and they think they're arresting the real Clive Owen, what they're, what they're not. Um, it's genius. It's a genius thriller movie. The acting is incredible. You got, I mean, Clive Owen. You got Denzel Washington, uh, Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer. Um, want to say Willem Dafoe is in it? Yeah. It is a fantastic fucking movie i love it i haven't seen it in a while i own it on dvd so i might fire it up soon there you go fire it up tonight you know boom stay up till 6 a.m it is a longer thriller movie for a thriller i think it's like 2 15 maybe it's a longer one but i would recommend it although you know exactly how it ends now uh it's 220 actually nice official runtime uh my number two uh you've already mentioned it once uh 2007's fracture Nice, 2007? Uh, okay, I thought it was 2008. I said 2008. Did you say 2008? No, you're probably uh, right. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I just watched it uh, a couple weeks ago. Something 10-ish years ago. Actually, you know what's crazy about Fracture? Uh, I had put Fracture in our um, bonus episode song-like clip, and then realized that it didn't touch the Oscars. Hmm. So, um, this, this movie is like... Uh, a Few Good Men, Lincoln Lawyer, and Sons of Lambs all rolled into one film. Sure. Like, I... I yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's... It would be... When I say, like, Inside Man is my favorite thriller ever made, the only other one that comes to mind is Fracture. Like, that would be mm-hmm. equally as, like... Yeah. Again, similar sort of idea. The fact that Anthony Hopkins says that he's going to, like, get away with killing his wife and pretty much would have if it weren't for his own fucking yeah ego yeah you know exactly yeah great movie i i agree with your choice thank you you you, you, yeah you are thank you you are um you are correct from spinal tap to fracture you are correct journey we have taken uh my number two is the shining from 1980 uh saw that coming yeah uh, thought it would be number one actually so i'm curious it's the most interesting movie Hmm. ever to me, now I'm, now I'm very curious. Again, it's another movie. Uh, as an English oh. major, I gotta say, yeah. like I've I've read into quite a bit of, um, yeah, it's it's great. I I think cinematically one of my favorite movies. Well, I don't, I not think I, it is. It's number two. Now I've never seen it. Sure. Um, I'm not a Stephen King guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I like his movies i'm not i'm not like i've never you like the the, never, the premises of his stories i've never really read the books is yeah, what yeah I'm I got you. doesn't he hate the fucking film absolutely hates it why because stanley kubrick uh and stephen king never got along from the moment that he wanted to adapt it but stephen king is well known for if you want to make my book into a movie you go right ahead so he was never going to be the type to tell him not to do it hmm. but the way that Stanley Kubrick wanted to do it they were very like he was very like he didn't he basically like said you can do it but don't consult me about anything okay. like they got to that point where it's like go fuck yourself make the movie how you want to do it I don't want anything to do with it though okay you can See, use I, my story I, I just though. assumed like you take a book you read the book you make a movie about the book 
how do you like how do you fuck it up? It's like the story is the well, story. Well, no, I mean they're they're both they're both kind of pricks. Is one thing you got to understand. And I'm, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but Kubrick much more a prick than Stephen King. And so Kubrick had his own vision for the movie. Um, one of my favorite things about the movie and the fact that they hated each other is that there is a scene in which uh, Scatman Crothers, uh, who plays Dick Halloran, is driving up to the Overlook because of his shining telling him that um, there's something evil going on at the hotel. So he's driving up in this fucking massive snowstorm and he drives past this huge car wreck in which some cars kind of like uh, gone into the guardrail and... and looks like a, a fatality has happened the accident doesn't look good and it is a um orange volkswagen beetle i believe now in the book it is a red station wagon but stanley kubrick chose an orange volkswagen beetle because that is the car that stephen king drove like kills stephen king in the book kind of thing like they fucking hated each other um okay yeah well, that's I, what i mean like i just I, I get confused how you take a source subject and like how do you fuck it up that bad it's a rare occasion of um a story written by one guy where the movie and the book are probably equally as good but they're different hmm. yeah it, okay. it's an interesting kind of dynamic but okay yeah i love it fair enough it's very interesting if you ever want to watch it uh it's 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 good. It's it's a horror in the way that like Silence of the Lambs is a horror. Like it's very eerie. It's very like kind of disturbing, but it's not like a ah, pop out at you kind of ah. like yeah like you've I'm, you've seen the memes over the years. Like you know the twins in the hallway, right? Yeah, the bloody and the bloody hallway. Like they jump out at you a little bit, but like you know they're coming. Like the music, you can feel like when the kid turns the corner on his tricycle, there's going to be twins standing there. You know. Like, mm. it's, I don't know, it's not supposed to be a jump-at-you horror. It's supposed to make you feel uneasy, and it uh, it does that. Hmm. Um, so, uh, before we recorded, we had Disturbia in the background, and I mentioned to you that I uh, I had a movie on my list that involved uh, Shia the Beef. Uh, Source code. <laughs> Eagle Eye. Um. <laughs> Wall Street 2. <laughs> The Even Stevens picture. What? Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah. Is he in that? He played uh, Indy's illegitimate son. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. Uh, no, I... You remember the late 2000s, early 2010s, when there was no one else to cast that was like a late a teenager, early 20s, other than Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Like pre Miles Teller, like where it just had to be Shia LaBeouf in like every fucking role. Yeah. 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 Uh, so my Shia LaBeouf film comes from 2014 and it comes in at number one on my list uh, Fury. Hmm. Um, kind of a, I know, given, you know, you know me kind of guy, uh, love my war movies. Um, Brad Pitt is. Pretty phenomenal in this. He's getting used to the the war role by this point. You know, he's done his Inglorious Bastards stuff, and um, I thought he was great. Logan Lerman um, is a guy that I don't give a lot of time to. You know, I don't pay attention to him necessarily. Like it's, ooh, I gotta go see the new Logan Lerman movie when it comes out. But every time I see him in something, he really surprises me. I thought he was really good in this. Um, Shia LaBeouf, like I mentioned, he's in it. He, this was kind of like a he'd taken a few years off. 
and he wasn't billed for the film going into it. Like, I don't think it was in any of the trailers leading up to the the release, and to see him kind of appear in the film was uh, a bit of a surprise. One of those, like, is that, is that fucking Shia LaBeouf? Like, you know, halfway through the film. Um, moments, and... Uh, yeah, this this is this is a movie that I've, I've sat down and enjoyed many many times, and uh, big fan. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I uh, just found out who Logan Lerman is. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it's not like you you've seen some of his films there that you're scrolling through. Uh, three, three of them. Yeah. I've only ever seen Fury, per- Perks of Being a Wallflower. I've seen. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, What's the other one? Where is it? Where'd it go? Oh, obviously the butterfly effect, but he's like seven years old. True. Now, so. Yeah. Um, I think I've also seen 310 to Yuma, but I don't really remember it. Uh, That's good I might have to rewatch that. Seems like my cup of tea. Uh, my number one is The Big Lebowski, um, which is uh, also like debatably my favorite movie. I don't, I don't know. People ask me and I kind of hop back between a few, uh, Pulp Fiction and, um, Inglorious Bastards being up there, but they were both nominated for Academy Awards because you know Quentin Tarantino. Um, the Big you Lebowski that guy that does really good movies, yeah, yeah. The Big Lebowski didn't really do that amazing at the time. It's just been kind of like loved and looked at as like a cult following movie since the mm-hmm. since it happened. Um, it is one of the few movies that. Uh, I've done a good job at not overwatching it, so every time I watch it, I love it more. Hmm. It's, a good it's great. Strategy. It's great. Uh, I love the Coen Brothers. They are my second favorite directors, and uh, yeah, like a unit, or are they like the Sedin twins, where they come in like one, two, or I'm trying to think. I watched a movie a few weeks ago where it was like a husband and wife team directed it. I'm like, that must have been fucking weird. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, that's. I guess that's our, our podcast this week. That's it. Uh, unless you have anything else you want to add? No. Anything to bump? Uh, I, I got to check I gotta, out my SoundCloud, my Insta face, my... No. I got to do a, I got to do a Leafs trade deadline article. Okay. Um, so that, that should be out probably this week. Uh, I, I'm going to probably use the idea that I did last year when I was writing for the Winnipeg Jets and do what I call the Rational Fans Guide to the Trade Deadline. Uh, in which I'm not going to say, you know, we should trade for Chris Kreider and we should also try to find a way to get Sidney Crosby. And like, uh, well, you know, I'm going to offer up my, you know, here are players that fit what we need and fit like our salary cap situation. And um, what, what's the likelihood we're going to get them? Basically, like what I did last year was I took every name of people that I saw had been rumored to go to the Jets. And I kind of just said, like, what is this feasible or is it not? And um yeah, it was, a, it was a fun article to write. I think the Leafs one will be even more fun because um, I, don't really, I don't really think we're getting much of anybody this year, but we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, i got to do that. Fantastic. You? You got anything to bump? I'm going to bump something. It's not mine. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to anyone that uh, does love the Laced Up podcast and wants to uh, enjoy maybe some more uh, basketball-themed content. Uh, to check out the Mitch and Driggs basketball podcast. Oh, yeah, uh, I was wondering where that was going. Our good buddy uh, Rod Alvarez, uh, who we've had on a couple times, got his own podcast now. He's going to talk to you about uh, all things to do with basketball, and uh, all the best of luck to them as they enter the podcasting world. I think right now they're only on SoundCloud. Uh, they're looking to branch out, but you can find them on Twitter and uh, go from there. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. At, uh, formerly at Uncle Rodzi on Twitter. So, um, yeah. That's it. Okay. I know it was a long one and, you know, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that you appreciate it. You know, like last, uh, February we had that month of just rid- a ridiculous amount of content and that's kind of this two week stretch here where you're getting an extra long episode of Laced Up today. You get another episode on Friday and then you get your regular episode again next Monday, so. Well, maybe Tuesday, actually. I don't know if we're going to be recording the day of the Super Bowl, but, yeah. (laughs) True. Yeah. Yeah, you got a lot of laces to tie coming up, so uh, get your shoes ready. Yeah, make sure your eyelids are all in shape. (laughs) (laughs) You'd You'd hate for the lace not to stay on the shoe, right? You'd hate to get the lighter out to burn the end of the lace to get it into the... Suck I love it. that trick. Like that was the funniest thing when you played hockey. Was just like you get the lighter out, or you like you put the tape around it. You do it for like three months. It's like just buy fucking new laces. Yeah. But you'd always forget. Yeah, you know. Oh, the, the best, the best joke. Oh, there's too. some in the tackle box. The best joke too was always like you're 12 years old. Anybody got a lighter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was always like two or three kids on the team. Yeah, I got one. Yeah, but but I, like normally you'd ask, and like there'd be a coach in the room, and like he'd have he'd have a lighter, and then one day you're like. Oh, there's no coaches, and I asked the question like an idiot, but yeah. now I found out that Mike does drugs. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll never forget when we were out of town for a tournament. We're just sitting on the bus, and this kid's like sitting in the back, and he bought like a stupid e-cigarette while he was at the mall, and he's just puffing that, and uh, and uh, the kid's dad just looks at him. He's like, what you got there? He's like, oh, nothing. And then the dad just sits down, and he's like, yeah, I was just wondering who taught you how to do that. This kid was just puffing on a cigarette, and it was, it was pretty fun. Perfect circle. Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He's like making shapes and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of fucked. Where'd you learn that? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Ciao. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that. Leave us alone. Yo, fellas, y'all ready to do this? Yeah. Yo, what's up, guys?